Welcome to Infinity Circuit Radio. Codex unveiled. Finally. (laughs) Finally. Oh my God. How long have we waited? We can't say. But... (laughs) (laughs) longer than i ever wanted to wait for a codex that's for sure yeah wow what a wait but worth the wait um i'm i've just been really excited seeing the just all of the reviews coming in online and um i think the the overall consensus is very strong but really really fun and as a play tester that's all i want to say yeah yeah absolutely it's it's all about having like Things that fit the narrative, isn't it? Fun and engaging rules. Uh, balanced stuff can be can be figured out by points, but as long as you've got a solid base there with like a decent data sheet, uh, points can points can adjust that to make that uh, what it needs to be in the in the big meta. Yeah, and I'll just say right off the hop, I feel like the points are good right now. Maybe there'll be some tweaks, um, but I feel like they're pretty damn solid right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think I think they're about okay i think it's about okay that's my my solid non-committal uh, approach to the, the points level right now it's it's difficult to tell isn't it because you know you can play test as much as you want and you can theorize as much as you want about it but until people get it in the hands and actually you know see where the current state of the meta is you know it's um it's, there's no way of really telling for, for sure really yeah it's it's going to probably take a little while see what the tournament players are doing and just see if there's anything in the book that we sort of missed um but this was pretty heavily play tested. I, I feel really confident in the book, and I'm so excited. I think I'll just say this is, in my opinion, the best Eldar Codex of all time. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. I just, well, I guess we can't go into it too much, but you know, it was a very engaged process with this one, and uh, I, I think the uh, the guys behind writing this actually uh, they listened and they wrote some really interesting stuff and uh, I, th- I think it's gonna Eldar players are gonna or Eldari players are gonna be uh, pretty happy with this one I think so too and I think it's really gonna stand the test of time which is one of the one of the things that I'm happiest about I feel like no matter sort of what changes the data sheets are so strong I mean not just in terms of like power but just depth narrative all of that stuff play style play style the units play style is sort of timeless based on the data sheets and it's just it is really exciting yeah yeah and i think if you look i think this book more than any others really if you look at the data sheets the data sheets really are where this book is you know like lots of lots of uh other codexes rely on having you know, some really fancy stratagems and stuff I, I think the data sheets in this book are just pretty solid mm. For pretty much throughout the book which is a good place to be yeah this is not a book that relies on overlapping warlord traits sub faction traits stratagems relics and all of that stuff it's not like drukhari it's not like black templars or something like that it's driven by the data sheets and that's what i always want out of these books i don't i don't like that you have to overlay all of these things to sort of get the units to do what they need to do or what they should do according to the lore and this is one of those books that doesn't require all of that stuff yeah yeah and uh yeah and that's the thing i really love about this book uh 
is that especially when you really get into the aspect warriors, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit later, an aspect warrior kind of is like really good at the thing that's meant to do now, which is so fitting with the with the law. And I and I just love that. They uh they're just really good throughout. Yeah. The aspect warriors are the star of the show and they should be. That's what this whole thing is all about. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. There are people who like taking guardians and stuff and having armies out of that, but you know it's aspect warriors they're super super highly trained futuristic space elves you know what more could you want yeah yeah it's it's a real and they're all really exciting um so there's Uh, and the phoenix lords as well oh i mean the phoenix lords are legends they are so so good and they are really hard not to take in every list at least for me yeah, so for me before, I'd always I'd always put an Altark in my list because that'd be my, my go-to combat character, and I'd deck him out and stuff. And I, but now, Phoenix Lords, I'm just like, which Phoenix Lord do I want to run? And I'm going to build a theme of my army around which Phoenix Lords I, I'm running this time. And it's just so great. They are. They are. Every single one of them is good. I just wish that all of them had plastic models. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ironically, the, the two that... Uh, so Jane Zar is the one I hadn't finished painting. Uh, sorry, I hadn't painted because I lost parts of the arms. Uh, so when that plastic one came out, and I've painted that recently, so uh, it's nice to add that. And Morgan Ra was the only one that was like three quarters painted. I hadn't finished like the base and like doing all the gems and stuff on it. So yeah, to have those one, those two specific ones come out in uh, in plastic was very convenient for me. <laughs> yeah, and. Just waiting for the other the other boys to come along, uh, and I'm sure they will in time. But man, it, the aspects are just so good, and the Phoenix Lords are in the best spot they've ever been in, and uh, they're just going to be a lot of fun to put on the board. And each one of them has a unique trick. They're a monster in whatever they do, and they're going to last multiple turns. But we'll get into all that as the uh, when we start getting into the data sheets and all that yeah absolutely so but before we dive in let's just talk a a a bit of hobby especially because wes you have been on an epic run (laughs) (laughs) i I have should should i start so i get this off and they they might be bored by the time i'm finished um and uh, ignore what you haven't done um so yeah so after the the last episode it turned out i caught covid so uh fortunately i got away fairly lightly with it uh but what it did mean is that i was stuck in a room in a house so i did lots of painting so uh, I was really lucky to be sent a, uh, a free copy from Games Workshop of uh, an advanced uh, set of models. So I, I painted all those. I painted, uh, oh, crack it, think about this now. So I did the Guardians. I did um, I did Dark Reapers. Uh, I did uh, the Warlocks. Uh, I'm going to have to help me out a little bit as well. Shroud Runners. So Shroud Runners. Uh, I've done two sets of Rangers. Uh, I've re done a uh, wave serpent a hemlock. night spinner a hemlock uh, a falcon <laughs> margan ra jane zar <laughs> uh, i've almost finished doing a, a wraith night uh, i've done the webway gates um yeah oh and uh, three units of wraith guard as well so <laughs> i've been on a a painting mission over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it was that two thousand points in a week. Not bad, not bad. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah. yeah, so I, I smashed through it, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was really nice just getting back to painting Eldari again because it's it's been a while since I've added anything. So I, I did my army back in 
what 2006 when the new like the batch of models got released at that point then and i've added a few things like jet bikes and stuff and uh uh, some of the flyers, but I haven't really done a load of models for a long time, so it's really nice to do. Yeah, and I must say, uh, I was on the fence about the uh, the Dark Reaper models, but actually, having now painted them and then put them next to the old Dark Reaper models, I'm I'm a fan because um, I was trying to describe to you the other day that when I when I thought about what the old Dark Reaper models look like, it's how the new ones look, mm-hmm. and the old ones don't look how I thought they looked. So when you compare them and put them next to each other, like the old ones, great for the time, just like garbage now. And actually, yeah. the ones we've got now do look like how I thought they looked in my head. And it's, it's great. Just small things like the um, the Eldari missile launcher on it is beautiful. It's really, really nice. It doesn't look like a disproportionate sized uh, phallic gun that it did previously. <laughs> <in> it's, uh, <laughs> it's just... It's just really, really nice, and uh, the compensation and of, cannon. <laughs> yeah, the compensation cannon. Should call it that. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's it's just a really, really nice, uh, nice set of models. Actually, when you get them in your hand and paint them, that's uh, that's what I'd say about that. So, if you were down on those as well, uh, I would reserve judgment a little bit uh, for yourself until um, until you get them and have a look. And actually, they are really nice. Yeah, I was won over as soon as you sent me the photos at the angle that you took them. Like the GW photos are more of like a profile, but when you look at them head on, you can really see how much they've improved. Like they're way more slender that just the sort of angles of all their plates and all that make them really, really streamlined. And whatever, I don't know why the heads looked so weird on those GW photos, but they don't look weird at all when you look at them from a more head-on angle yeah and it's, and it's close-up photography and stuff as well isn't it so you know they're, they're, they're enlarged but when you when you look at the model as a whole they do look uh do look really nice actually oh and i forgot an, an eldrad model as well so i had that set around for ages so i've painted up as a, a farseer for my um Ibrisil army yeah and i have to say dude I, i've said this to you obviously off the air but i love the paint jobs they came out so good and even though Ibrazil, there's like a lot of people that do Ibrazil, yours is really, really unique. I think the focus on the gray and the bone and the blue turns up that eldritch theme to them, to the nines. And it, like what it reminded me instantly is the cover of the new Codex. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like that glowy blue and the whites and all of that. I mean, just, just spot on. I mean, they could practically change the... Um, I think this would actually look better in their photography if they had an Ibrisol army painted up the way that you did instead of Sam Han. I think it it just looks really pretty in the photos. Yeah, thanks, man. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, so of course. It's, it's been really fun doing. I've really enjoyed it. I've been wanting to do these, these colors for a long time, and uh, I, I didn't see too many Ibrisol's armies around. But then as soon as I started painting that, I've seen like pretty much every YouTuber who has a, yeah. an Eldari-focused YouTube channel has Ibrisol as their, as, their, uh, as their army. But hey, I'm just uh, just following the crowd. It's a good crowd to follow, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean, they're sort of... They're, they're a really cool craft world. They've got awesome lore. really opens it up to any kind of play style. And, I mean, you couldn't... A do-it-yourself craft world is definitely sort of the way to go right now because there's so many different fun play styles to try and embrace and with the new uh game balance data slate that came out where you can't mix and match sub factions anymore um yeah 
the timing couldn't have been better. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. How about you? Did you actually get any to do any in the end? Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last show, but I finished I finished my Banshees, and then I I painted Jane Czar as well. So, that is the first Phoenix Lord I ever painted. Oh man, yeah, you did a beautiful job of that because you went off piece as well and did it uh, to fit in with your um your color scheme, lines azure, and it looks really really lovely. Yeah, thank you, dude. Um, this sort of this sort of I call it like Yonari Wraith Bone, where it's not the sort of cream-colored Wraith Bone, but the grayish, bluish, greenish Wraith Bone. I, I got inspired from the way that they did the Yonari Incubi's uh, swords. And I was like, oh, okay. wow, that looks great. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And then I just started incorporating that as a sort of... Um, I don't know, just as part of the overall palette for my Lions of Assyrian, and uh, I really, really like it. So I've done my Shining Spears and my Howling Banshees in those colors, and I guess it's like my legit Aspect Warriors, my non-Counts as Corsairs uh, Aspect Warriors. That's sort of the color I've been going with. Um, and I'm... Wow. Jane Czar. What a model. What a unit. She's so good on the tabletop, and... She is absolutely spectacular. Like I, I thought that she looked really, really cool when she first came out, and but what, now that I have her, she's you know a Age of Sigmar tier sculpt. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah they've they've done a great job with these uh, Phoenix dolls in the whole, I think. Yeah, and I've seen uh, Mr. Mog and Ra from a couple of different angles, and that model is amazing. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he really needs his own uh, metal eighties metal going on behind him every time you put him out it's so cool it's so cool yeah um he looks absolutely incredible man yeah well shall we uh should we talk about the book yeah let's let's get into it dude so this this playtesting process was so exhaustive for this book and i'm sure you can see why because it is literally the second biggest book in the game and definitely the most rules dense book in the game, but only because it has multiple factions all within, you know, the, the covers of this book. Yeah. M multiple factions and multiple layers on things as well. So it's uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of depth in there. We, we mentioned earlier that the data sheets are, are really cool, but there's still stuff that you can stack onto data sheets, especially when it comes to, X, uh, X arcs and the, uh, the aspect wars to make them even cooler and stuff as well. So, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit more. So, so I think today we're going to have an overall chat of it and you know go through things and pick things out. And uh, in the future, we'll go into much more depth into each of the data sheets and sections as well. So, uh, consider this, I guess, just the the first stab at uh, talking through it. But I imagine most people have seen the uh, the codex for for quite some time anyway, because. Uh, seem to be spread quite far and wide so yeah. <laughs> yeah there was leaks galore um but yeah like Wes was saying this is going to be our first pass and honestly I, I we've talked about this i think we're going to probably do episodes just on single data sheets at, at some point because there's just i mean i i know that i personally want to do an episode just about swooping hawks and talk about their role how, how you can make army lists around them and just all the different tricks and shenanigans you can get up to with these guys. There's just so much to say about everything that'd be impossible to do in the, you know, in a codex overview. 
Yeah. Cool. So I think the thing to point out really is this is almost a, a book of three parts, really, isn't it? So the first part you've got is the, the Azurani, and then you've got Harlequins, which are a standalone faction as well. But as we've talked about before, you can mix them into um, uh, into your Azurani army as well, and Drukari for that instance, and actually Yunari uh, as well. So they're kind of uh, a separate faction in there as well that you can uh, build an army with. And I guess if you want, for just for you as well, the Corsairs are in there as well, to uh, so you can create a Corsair-themed army too. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that Azuriani, Harlequins, and Yanari are, in my opinion, all standalone factions within this book. They, even though it's all crammed into one book, we said it on the last one, you know, Harlequins, I think, have gained a lot more than they've lost. And Yanari... Yanari are really good. Yanari are really, really good. And they're, the way you put together a Yanari army is going to definitely stand the test of time. And the fact that you can take units from all of the books in a single detachment, so long as you have uh, you know, an equal amount of Azriani units, they're legit. And they've got a great trait and all the rest of it. Like These are three legit standalone factions. And Corsairs, there are some problems with Corsairs. We'll get into that when we go over them. But they did an incredible job making all three of these factions totally playable um, and so deep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's just an exhaustive book. And I've mentioned on the last show as well, you know, there was... <clears throat> when I found out the Harlequins again rolled into this book, I, it was an emotional roller coaster for me because I, I, I enjoyed being the special snowflake and I enjoy uh, having my own codex. I would say, though, that I've, I've come around to the idea of them being in this book. I, I think we gain from it being uh, part of the, the major release in terms of um, uh, the access that Eldari players then have to Harlequins, which will in turn then build the Harlequin community because the Harlequin community is quite small. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like to see it bigger. And I think having Harlequin sit alongside the Eldari book uh, is one way that we can get a bigger community for Harlequins. I think so too. They've lowered the barrier to entry with traveling players, allowing you to take a detachment of them, a patrol detachment, without breaking army coherency. And you know, with Har- uh, with Yunari, you could take them as troops, which is absolutely amazing yeah. <laughs> you can make a Yanari army where all of your troops are made up of harlequins and probably rangers which is yep. top tier elite choices and yep. awesome in a Yanari detachment so yeah I, I think harlequins are in a really really good spot and i think there's also something to be said about the fact that you don't have to wait for harlequins to get their own book if they're attached at the hip with craft worlds when craft worlds get their updates harlequins will get their updates and i think that's good yeah yeah i totally agree and you like say they're the traveling players you can buy one box of harlequins which has six dudes in it and uh you can then that's your patrol attachment because that's five players and a troop master and troop masters are crazy good so <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> you can uh they are your murder death assassin clan that you can uh, really juice up and we'll talk about that later um yeah they are they're really good so it adds a bit of flavor yeah cool so let's talk about uh the azurani then i guess to start with and 
craft worlds. Yes. So all the, the major flavors there, so your Althway, Alatok, Biltan, Yandan, and Samhan, and then you have the, the far-flung craft worlds there that you can uh, call upon. So I uh, guess we just have a, a bit of a chat through very quickly about each one and what our thoughts are. Do you want to start off with the Althway? Yeah. Um, Althway, man, they've got a ton of rules. They are absolutely one of the best out of the out of the bunch. Um, I think they're all great, but Oathway is in a really good spot. So just their their attribute, <laughs> it, they have one attribute called Foresight <laughs> of the Dam, but it's really five attributes. Um, yep. You know, why not? <laughs> so each time a unit with this attribute is selected to shoot or fight, you can reroll one wound when resolving that unit's attack. It's uh, baby expert crafters, why not? Yep. Uh, each time you take a psychic test for a psyker unit with this attribute, if that first psychic test taken for that unit, add one to the result. Fantastic. That's what I always wanted from Ulthway. Six plus invuln and five plus against mortal wounds. Uh, five plus plus feel no, or five plus feel no pain against mortal wounds. Ulthway uh, is phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's an aggregation of small little gains there, isn't it? I think. When you add those all together, just make it pretty pretty useful and uh, pretty fluffy as well in terms of, you know, like you said there, having psychic powers be just better with these guys because they are really tuned into the warp more so than other Eldari. So, yeah, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, and we'll get more into this when we cover the psychic powers and whatnot, but this is actually pretty important because this might sound controversial, but... I, the the Eldar Seers have definitely been tuned down a bit. Uh, the standard range of their psychic powers has been reduced to 18 inches, which is a huge deal. And people will say, oh, Skyrunners. Yeah, but it they don't work the way they did in 8th edition, where um, typically you weren't battle, you didn't have battle focus in 8th edition so you have units like shifting all over the place and Skyrunner Seers can't really shift because they don't have, uh, they can't shift with their screening units because they operate at a different range, they have shuriken catapults on their bikes or a singing spear or something like that so you can't just have them hiding in a unit of scatter laser wind riders or shuriken cannon wind riders because they're not going to be able to battle focus with them so the fact that you can guarantee you have a better ability to you, know, you you have more reliability with Althway Seers is a big deal. So and if you roll well on your psychic results, you can increase your range, which is great. And so Althway will do that more often than not. And guess what? That's really fluffy. That's what we're going yeah. for here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think there's a stratum as well that allows you to, to give an additional plus one if you make them into a seer council as well. So they really can be uh, quite the powerhouse. Yeah. And uh, as you guys will see, you kind of have to work to get those seer councils to work. It's not just taking a single warlock anymore. Um, so there's lots of little good checks and balances in this. Yeah. But if you you know sort of go with the flow of those checks and balances there's a lot of rewards which is nice yeah yeah i totally agree <clears throat> so the next thing they've got is their warlord traits so um after you make a strands of fate roll which we'll talk about shortly and you've probably read anyway if this warlord is on the battlefield you can choose to retain one additional dice 
it's huge that's huge yeah so we'll talk about the the strands of fate uh, in a bit more depth later but this is quite quite the boon actually yeah it's a big big deal and the the more i've used it the more of a the more of a big deal it's been and especially when you're talking about like wraith knights with a four plus invulnerable save guaranteeing you know those kind of saves against stuff like dark lances and whatnot it's a huge deal yeah yeah it really is and the relic that they've got is the the ghost helm of althanzia uh, probably not saying that right uh, the bearer knows one additional psychic power from the runes of fortune discipline each time the psychic test is taken for this bearer on an unmodified uh, result of nine plus that psychic power or psychic action cannot be denied huge i mean yeah. that is a monster that is a monster ability and there's so when you take this all in concert with some of the stratagems like eldritch storm and all this kind of stuff uh Althware powerhouse in terms of uh psychic abilities yep they really are and then uh we'll then touch on their, their stratagem they've got uh use the stratagem in your shooting phase or fight phase when you select an Althway guardians uh, unit to shoot or fight until the end of the phase, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, add one to the attack's hit roll. Love this, especially with Wind Riders. All the way Wind Riders are legit with this. You know, have if you have an Autark nearby, you know that's uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. It makes them uh, a very very shitty unit. Or even if you're bringing in from Web Brigades, a unit of twenty of them. <laughs> uh, that's forty shots hitting on twos, let alone their uh, their heavy weapons platforms as well. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just really really good. Yep, they have like a warlock do reveal, which is actually a really helpful power nowadays. Um, Autark nearby, you know, webway jump up an Autark or a Skyrunner, and it's instant offense. And uh, they're those legendary Black Guardians that you would hope them to be. Yeah, yeah, they're really good. So overall, I think Althway is. I think most people are saying it's it's probably the the, the choice pick. Uh, I'd, I'd say most of the time it could be one of the, the strongest one. Yeah. Uh, from my perspective, but uh, that's not to say the other ones aren't good, and because uh, they are, and you can build uh, armies around those other ones too. Yeah, I think Althway is great. Uh, I'll be totally honest. I don't think they're the best. I don't really. They're, they're really up there, but I don't really think they're... I don't want to say they're not close, but I think the other ones outshine them in a huge way. Yeah, and it's especially for our playstyle, like Maneuver and stuff, I think uh, there are other shenanigan-y type ones that uh, certainly suit our playstyle more so as well. Yeah. Cool, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, yeah, a lay talk. Um the both of us have been saying this for a long time. Alay talk is for real. I think Alay talk is really, really, really good, um, especially for players who have an eye towards just like deployment. And, you know, winning the game through like movement and deployment. I think they're phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. They um, they've got some really good shenanigans there, and with uh, us just going down to three troops choices now, which is essentially yeah, uh, four. I guess if you include corsairs as well, but. Uh, Pathfinders and uh, the two types of guardians are all we have to choose from now. And these guys lean really into you uh, to making Pathfinders even better than they already are. Yeah. So their attribute is each time a ranged attack is made against a unit with this attribute, 
If the attack is more than 12 inches away, the unit with this attribute is treating it as having the benefits of light cover. Second bullet point, each time a ranged attack is made against an infantry or biker unit with this attribute that is entirely on or within a terrain feature, if that attacker is more than 12 inches away, that unit uh, has dense cover. And this is a huge one. You can ignore any or all modifiers to the move characteristic of infantry units with this attribute, and you can ignore any or all modifiers to advance roles for such units. Um, in case you guys haven't seen the data sheet, Striking Scorpions are so legit in this book. <laughs> um, so, like, Rangers jet, uh, Rangers, jet Bikes, and Striking Scorpions ignoring move modifiers for cover, like, that is such a big deal, and I don't think people will sort of twig to it until, you know, maybe, you know, a good ways into, you know, down the road into the, uh, the new Codex Eldari experience. Yeah, exactly. So, so what that pretty much means in, in in lay terms, really, is that every model in the army, if it's more than twelve inches away, is going to have a plus one to its armor save. And if you're a uh, infantry and biker, then you're going to be a minus one to hit as well, which is it's just a big deal. It's, it's a big deal. Uh, it makes you quite a bit more resilient. And it's also worth mentioning that battle focus is a normal move. So these guys are dipping in and out of cover uh, and ignoring that penalty. That is monstrous huge yeah that, that is pretty good <laughs> yeah uh especially i'm thinking like shroud runners like a latox shroud runners like battle focusing in and out of cover i mean that is nasty business right there yeah yeah it really is yeah uh, yeah there's a lot of shenanigans to be had with this one yeah so uh, rangers are basically always in cover yeah yeah pretty much are always yeah. in dense cover i should say as long as yep. you take the gloom field. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Just, I, I really like this. It's, it's one I've been leaning towards for, for most of it. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, so, the, the Warlord trait on this, in your command phase, you can select one Autar sorry, LATOC infantry core unit within nine inches of the Warlord. Until the end of the turn, if that unit is performing an action, it can still make attacks with ranged weapons without failing the action. Uh, at the start of the first battle round, before the first turn begins, if this Warlord is on the battlefield, you can select one other friendly Alator Rangers unit on the battlefield. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up anywhere on the battlefield that is more than 9 inches away from the enemy deployment zone and any enemy models. If both players have this ability uh, that uh, redeploy units, before the first turn begins, roll off the winner chooses who redeploys first. You know, really solid. Just more shenanigans, more deployment, trickery, and uh, I love it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I always like things like that where you can uh, bait people. So, you know, um, you're putting models down in one place and then moving them off somewhere else. It's uh, it's, it's one of my favorite tricks to, to use that one. Uh, and their relic that they've got is the Shrift Shroud of Alansair. Uh, a Laytock infantry only. Uh, while the spear is receiving the benefits of cover, it cannot be selected as a target for a range attack unless it's the closest eligible target for that attack and the attacking model is within 12 inches it's great i love that on an autark with a missile launcher and a jump pack it just means you can just sort of bounce him all over the place and not really have to worry uh, unless you have deep strikers coming in so you know if you're sort of you know, not playing dumb with them 
he, he should be good to just sort of bounce around and take missile shots and uh, throw out those re-roll, you know, the re-roll ones and keep those double command uh, re-rolls coming through. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, I think that's probably the best use of it, really, because it's, with infantry model, you want something that's, um, something maneuverable, and that, uh, having the jump pack with that's really good. It's also good if you've got, like, a buffing Farsi at the back of the board there as well, that you've got to, uh, uh, buffing your various units and stuff, then actually it's, it's a really good way of keeping that safe, too. Yeah, that's true. That that actually can sort of um, make the you can really freelance with a Skyrunner, uh, Farseer as well. You don't have to worry about him not having a, like a a screening unit that can you know battle focus around with him. So yeah. that's really you know that's a really really good choice. I think a lay talk is sort of fantastic if you just want to sort of ignore terrain and have the benefits of terrain. Olay talk is is the way to go, and then you can just sort of ride or die with data sheets. It's it's a really good, <laughs> you know, it's a really good craft role. It's kind of like streamlined and basic, but super effective. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that. Uh, next one we got is the the strat for those guys. Uh, Pathfinder ambush uses stratagem in the reinforcement step of your opponent's movement phase. After an enemy unit has been set up on the battlefield, select one Latoc Rangers unit from your army that's either <clears throat> on the battlefield or in strategic reserve. If that Rangers unit is in strategic reserve, set it up anywhere on the battlefield within 18 inches of the enemy unit and more than 9 inches away from any enemy models. At the end of the phase, that uh, Rangers unit can shoot as if it were your shooting phase. But until the end of that phase, it can only target the enemy units that are just set up on the battlefield. Uh, niche, but I think uh, situationally, really, really good. I mean, say you have like a unit of 10 rangers, you bring them in, you know, next to, I don't know, maybe like an autark or something like that. Uh, some character arrives from Deep Strike and you start pounding sniper shots into them. Potentially yeah. really, really powerful. It's, it's like the old uh, Necrons. I think they used to have it, Hunters from Hyperspace or something, where, the, yeah. uh, where those guys used to pop up. It's that sort of thing, yeah. It, it's super niche. It's only going to be uh, if your uh, opponent has Deep Strikers, but it could be could be useful. Yeah. You know, if you're an Alatoc player, you're going up against, I don't know, I'm thinking almost like uh, Blood Angels or something like that, and a Chaplain arrives, you know, a Jump Pack Chaplain arrives from Deep deep strike you know what's like astaroth or something like that you know you, you have that in your back pocket if you're a dedicated to talk player it's a good strat yeah agree so should we uh to summarize then any points you'd like to come out for la talk uh they're they're just a, a really good sort of masters of terrain type army and um for for players who really thrive on deployment, I think they'll really, really, really reward you. Uh, especially considering that Rangers have... An, uh, the, the play style of Rangers has definitely opened up a bit. Like when we get into their data sheet, they have like access to some... Uh, what I feel are significant move blocking uh, you know, sort of stratagems that you can employ with them. So... I think they might be like sort of simple at you know first blush, but if you get sort of really really deep into deployment, model placement, and uh, trying to gain access to all those terrain advantages, 
I think they're they're great. I think that they'll be really really good in the hands of sort of like a master Eldar player, um, and I also think they're pretty forgiving for beginners just because the the dense cover and the light cover and all of that. Yeah, yeah, I I, I totally agree. So let's uh, let's move on to the next one then, shall we? Bill Tan, uh, the Swordwind attributes. Uh, each time this unit with this attribute advances or makes a battle focus move, treat a roll of one two as a three instead. Each time a unit with this attribute is selected to shoot or fight, you can re-roll one hit roll when resolving that unit's attack. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the both of us sort of concur that this is the strongest of all the classic craft worlds. Yeah, I, I really... I, I think that's that ability to guarantee that those battle focus moves. And especially if you're taking something like uh, Bill's Hand, you're probably going to be taking more aspect warriors. You're going to be taking smaller squads primarily so you know that that re-roll of one hit every foot in those small squads actually makes quite a difference yeah and it's like uh really clutch for bright lances which are phenomenal considering how much access you have to bright lances in this codex i think it's one of the big differences between drukari and azuryani is that drukari have fewer vehicles or fewer vehicles to get those bright lances into their lists for Azuryani, they're everywhere. You know, you've got yeah. vipers, war walkers, <laughs> wave serpents, um, hornets, guardians. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I, I think that the, the winner uh, in terms of the battle focus thing is Beltan jet bikes, Beltan jet bikes, guaranteeing a three inch battle focus is awesome absolutely awesome yeah yeah it, it really is and for me just things like things like lances lances always miss so if you've got a small <laughs> unit of like falcon you know falcons um yeah yeah falcon be a good one you know so if you find those weapons on that you know it's gonna you're gonna get to re-roll those things if they miss uh things like uh viper jet bikes if you've got a unit of two viper jet bikes with a bright lance on it as well Hmm. Or even your guardians as well. Your guardian squad. If you got a lance on that, you know you're gonna get to reroll that too, which is really good. Yeah, Biltan is legit. Um, they're, I mean, just the, their traits alone. I, I'm like really, I've been really hard pressed not to choose them because I, I love my wind riders, and I think that this is probably, if you were just looking to like maximize on a unit like wind riders, I think this is probably the best. Yeah, eh, we'll get into that. Like <laughs> in terms of like maneuvering. This is the most maneuverable craft world for jet bikes. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, if that reroll ones to hit is not quite enough, uh, <laughs> all or traits, natural leader, in your command phase, you can select one friendly built hand core unit within six of this warlord. Until the end of that turn, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, you can reroll hit roll. That is really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, obviously, jet bikes, but also, like, a big unit of Dire Avengers. Yeah, this is... This is guide. <laughs> yeah. Just this is guide. As an aura ability. <laughs> as an aura ability, yeah. So, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, really solid. Great Warlord trait. Very fluffy, too. Yeah, and there's quite a few core units out there that can benefit from that as well. So I don't think we really need to go into that one much. Well, that's uh, re-rolls for units as an aura ability. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. 
and the Reddick Stone of Anathlan. Uh, Anathlan. This is uh, Lawrence's favorite relic. Takes it in every game. <laughs> is that right? You can read this one then. Yeah. So the Baron knows one additional psychic power from the Chosen Discipline. Sick. One uh, Once per psychic phase, you can reroll one psychic test taken for the bear. Really, really good um, because the ghost helm has changed. You don't really get that anymore. So that's that's excellent. I always thought this was a weird relic. It should have been sort of like a an Ulthway one, if you ask me. But, yeah. you know, whatever. They've got it. It's great. I mean, it's awesome. And now that craft worlders can take multiple relics because it's a new codex, uh, really good. Yeah, uh, it's just a solid choice for it, isn't it? it, it seeing where you've got lots of re-rolls and movements, actually, this is a, a bit of a, a buff in the psychic phase there, which is, you, you can't scoff at that. Yeah, you can take Guy Doom and Fortune. You don't have to choose anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, so Wrath of the Shrines, uh, which is the for one CP. Use a strategy in your shooting phase or the fight phase when a built-in aspect warrior unit from your army is selected to shoot or fight until the end of that phase each time a model in that unit makes an attack and a modified hit roll of six scores one additional hit this is bananas this is such a good stratagem like every single aspect unit loves this yeah yeah uh, things like striking scorpions are putting a boatload of attacks out things like uh, dire Avengers, which put a boatload of shots out. This is just really good. Yeah, stack that with Blade Storm. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Banshees, uh, even Dark Reapers with um, Star Swarm shots. Yep. So, so I think, I yeah. think this is probably one of the most sort of over like they have different strengths in different areas, but this is the one that I think is consistently strong across its uh, its attribute, its warlord traits. It's relic and it's uh it's a stratagem that you can use so i think this is what makes for me built hand stand out more than uh than others really i do too um i think all their powers are sort of constant on you always have that extra psychic power you're always re-rolling those ones to hit you're guaranteeing your battle focus uh chapter master re-rolls i mean it's just you're always going to want all of that stuff. You're going to be using it as you're going to be using it throughout the entire game. Uh, there's, they're not like situational. They're not contingent upon like what your enemy takes against you. Um, it's just straight buffs. They're always on and they're really strong. Yeah. Yeah. Just great craft world. Great. Really enjoy that one. Shall we move on to Ayandan? You yeah. love this one. Oh yeah. I really, really do. Um, it's I'm kind of bummed that Thick City got nerfed because I was looking forward to this uh, territorial <laughs> dispute between uh, Wraithbone Town and Thick City. Cash of the Thick. Yeah, exactly. But Eandon are back, and they are so good. Um, I really, really love them there. So just to get into it, um, each time a, com a combat attrition test is taken for a unit with this attribute, add one so what um each time an attack is allocated to a model with this attribute if that attack has an ap of minus one or minus two worsen the ap by one so ap minus one becomes zero ap minus two uh is just ap one really really huge because a lot of you know i'm thinking like heavy bolters which are definitely like a bane for um 
Wraith Blades, Wraith Guards, stuff like that. Even though they are minus one damage now, which is insane, it's so strong. Um, they are just shrugging off. Eandon Wraith Constructs are just shrugging off that firepower like it's nothing. Tur turning Heavy Bolters into a zero AP weapon and some of the other sort of like high volume of shot, low AP, but uh, high, you know, m medium damage weapons. It's just bouncing off your wraith constructs. It's so yeah. rad. It's like it's like a pseudo two plus save, isn't it? I guess. Yep, yep. And I mean, once you start using them in cover and whatnot, uh, I mean, you're really nullifying AP. I mean, it's not just for wraith constructs. It's it's for the entire army, but um, or whatever can gain access to cover. But um, they're great. Uh, I'm so excited for my Wraith host <laughs> and the Wraith Knight for sure. Yeah, I think that's the key thing there, isn't it? Is when these guys are in cover, which you hope they will be near an objective somewhere, they it, it, you're gonna have to get to AP three to start shifting them off for two plus up, two plus save. Yeah, and I think that there's gonna be some major play with um, uh, with. What's it called? A will of a Surian to make them objective secured, uh, like big units of wraith blades, uh, yeah. claiming the middle of the field, putting these guys in cover, maybe casting conceal on them. Some of the more like niche powers are actually really, really, really good. Um, yep. Because of that, so this is going to be an awesome sort of board control, tough as nails build that you don't want to get into combat with you especially once we get into um the wraith blade data sheet yeah and just to touch on that now it's like yeah uh, it's toughness six yeah uh, yeah right. toughness six uh, three wounds and that ability to produce the damage characteristic by one as well so these are going to be a tough unit to shift yeah and if they're you know axe and shield wraith blades four plus save if they're yeah just really really good uh you know potentially with fortune on them for five plus feel no pain i mean yeah really good yeah <laughs> yeah just just really really durable uh to talk about enduring resolve which is the warlord trait each time this warlord will uh would lose a wound uh roll a d6 on a five plus that wound is not lost that's good it's fortune on your character uh i wish you could uh I wish you could take this on a Eandon Wraithseer, but uh, <laughs> c'est la vie. Um, yeah, that would that would be brutal. Yeah, not the best world of trait, but it's fine. Yep. Uh, I, the Citronome of Eandon? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Here we go. This is a great one. I loved this one back in the day uh, in the 8th edition codex. It really catch people off guard, but they simplified it a bit, and I think it's kind of better. Um Add one to the attacks characteristics of models in that unit. Uh, sorry, I missed the beginning of that. In your command phase, you can select one uh, friendly and in spirit host unit within nine inches of the bearer until the start of your next command phase. Plus one attack uh, for models in that unit. And if it's Wraith Guard, they gain battle focus. Both of those are really, really good. I mean, the, the big winner is obviously Wraith Blades, though, with that. Yeah. Th that is monstrous. Yeah, that, that plus one attack characteristic is a huge boon. Yeah, and if you start like adding any kind of the offensive warlock powers on top of that, 
I mean, that big 450-point unit of Wraith Blades with, like, a couple of psychic powers and this relic are just so tough. They're, like, unmovable, you know, they're immovable, and they're brutal in offense. Like, you don't want, like, Mortarian or anything near these guys. No, no, that's, uh, that is going to kick some butt. <laughs> yeah. So I can say about that, really. So, and then you got Guided Wraith Sight, which is their stratagem. Uh, use the stratagem in your shooting or fight phase. Select one Ian Spirit Seer model from your army and one friendly Ian uh, Spirit Host unit until the end of that phase. Um, it's, that unit is considered to be um, spirit marked. So that's really, really good. Um, uh, so reroll ones to wound, just basically anywhere on the board. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's like having a left hand stood right next to you. Yep, and uh, you're keeping that character, you know, safe from harm. It's cheap. I mean, one CP, that's nothing. Yeah, so overall, this is a really so, especially if you're going uh, wraith heavy, this is a really, really durable uh, faction to choose. It is, and uh, wraith constructs are pretty expensive. The wraith blades are really expensive. Wraith lords are not as expensive. Um, and the Wraith Knight is, you know, very affordable for what he is, but it's, it is a huge investment. Um, you're you're going to be pinched for points if you go, like, really fluffy with the Anden, but those units are not going anywhere uh, with this with this Craftworld trait. And I love the Anden. They're, they're probably my favorite just from a sort of a lore standpoint. And it's Anden is, like, my alternate play style. I'm more of, like, a Sam Han guy jet bikes mechanized whatever but like when i want to do something different eandon is my go-to and i'm thrilled to play them now in eighth edition i felt like yeah i'm definitely playing you know very suboptimal when i play them but i had a good feel for them i knew how to use them in win games so i liked it but now i don't really feel like um you know um, downgrading my army to take them they're great if you want to go down this road they're just as competitive as any of the other options yeah i i, I agree so i think you almost had a perfect segue when you're talking about sam Hun. man i tell you what couldn't have teed it up better myself <laughs> <laughs> wait i did tee it up myself wait a minute <laughs> so the wild host mate do you want to talk about that one yeah um we've talked a lot about this uh you can reroll charge rolls made for units with this attribute that's good Units with this attribute are eligible to declare a charge in a turn in which they fell back. That is really good. It is really good. It's a little bit difficult to harness, I think, but it almost turns units like Howling Banshees into Harlequins in a Samhan detachment. It's phenomenal for Shining Spears, uh, Seer Council as well. Um, I mean, even Storm Guardians. Yeah. Yeah, really, really useful. You become Harlequins at that point, really. Yeah. Um, so their Warlord trait, um, add one to the Warlord uh, attacks characteristic. Uh, Six-inch heroic intervention, really good. Um, so uh, Samhan, Autarchs, or Warlords. You know, Samhan Autarchs have more attacks than any other Autarch. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, It's it really does play into the... Um sort of the chieftain style doesn't it going in there and just absolutely charging in with it with a jet bike and just chopping people up on the way in 
Yeah, and when you take it with their relic, uh, the talisman of Tian Shar, each time the bearer makes a melee attack, if the bearer made a charge move or heroically intervened, add one to the strength and damage characteristic of that model and increase the AP by one. So that turns your um, uh, Laser Lance Autark into a Thunder Hammer, uh, <laughs> which is absolutely sick. I, I It's like when you play Samhan, it's, it's so hard not to take this Warlord trait in the Relic. Like I took it every game and you know, it basically turns into a Smash Captain. Um, so really, really like this combination. I don't, I don't know if it's the best Skyrunner Autark. You can make a case for him. You know, we'll get into that later with some of the other uh, craft world attributes and warlord traits. But um, you know, damage three, uh, strength eight, lance is really good. You you really can't argue with that, can you at all? Yeah. And, and warriors of the raging winds. Uh, use this stratum at the start of your charge phase. Select one Samhan uh, biker unit from your army until the end of that phase. That unit is eligible to declare a charge, even if it advanced that turn. You didn't like this one, did you? <laughs> this is why I take this. Um, this is why I've played Samhan the most throughout uh, playtesting. I was really glad they kept this stratagem because Quicken doesn't work the way that it used to. You can't um, just double move and charge now. Um, which sucks. I, I don't like that. But this is your advance and charge stratagem, and it makes Shining Spears, you know, gives them a 22 inch charge, and really good. And I, I think that, like, people who really want to go down the, the route of Sam Han, I think, like, you can use this in sort of waves where you can send the Shining Spears in, um, you can buff them up with maybe like a bike council. And then you buff up that bite council the next turn. And then you charge that advance and charge them, and then maybe you save it for the autark for the coup de gras, and you know say turn three or something like that, or in any combination you know you'd like. So, um, Wes, we've talked about this quite a bit. Like, unfortunately, it feels like some of the other craft world choices are better for Windrider builds than Sam Han. This is sort of craft world shining spear. Yeah, and I think this is a really good craft world. For me, I'm just disappointed it's called Samhan. Because for me, Samhan is taking lots of Windrider jet bikes and stuff, and I I don't feel, personally, I get much from my, from my Windriders out of this. But if you were going all in on the idea of having lots of Shining Spears, then I think this is great. Yeah, I feel like it almost benefits like Wraith Blades and Aspect Warriors more than it benefit than it really benefits Shining Spears in a way too. Yeah. Because they reduce the, the, the amount of Shining Spears you could take in a single squad and because you can't quicken and advance and charge two separate units um, those Shining Spears are going to get hit hard. Uh, so, you know, a unit of six is not super survivable unless like you've really orchestrated a masterful i don't know multi-pronged melee charge with howling banshees and all this other stuff which coincidentally yeah. is how i play that has been my list with yeah. howling banshees and shining spears operating in tandem so the shining mm -hmm. spears and the howling banshees can't sort of be ganged up on and picked apart so i think like if you really really build for it 
Sam Han is really actually it's more of like tricksy in terms of what they can do in movement and combat and all of that stuff because it all revolves around uh, charging after you fall back. But it's it's a difficult one to harness. It, this is the, the the floor for this one is higher than I think yeah. the other craft worlds are. I think there's a high a really high ceiling. I don't know if it's as high as the ceiling for the other craft worlds, but it, I think it's in like the hands of like a really good player. It's excellent. I just don't know how good it. I just don't think it's the best though. Yeah, there's there's some moves that you can do there, especially like if you've got like wraith guard or uh, sorry wraith blades on objective somewhere, and you've been charged, then you can during that thing that you can pile and consolidate. You can work them round to like the other side of the unit potentially, and then at which point then you can. But it's your turn. You can then fall back. And then you can be somewhere else on table. You, you, you're gaining movement that way as well. Uh, I, I just think, yeah, there's lots of playing it uh, for me as a person who's got a Sam Han army. I just it didn't it didn't jive with my my, my Sam Han style. No, but <laughs> all is not lost because there exists far flown craft worlds as well. <laughs> <laughs> should we uh, should we talk about those? Dude, just talk about yours. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to go into all of these now because uh, there's there's quite a few and there's lots that you can like add and change with them. So, but essentially, there's uh, two pages of traits. Uh, I don't know how many that adds up to, but you get to choose two. Uh, and my two that I really like are the Children of the Open Skies and uh, Swift Strikes. So for me, Children of the Open Skies. Add one inch to the movement characteristics of models with this attribute. Attribute: If a model has, if a model with this attribute can fly, add two inches to the movement characteristic instead of one. Each time an advance roll is made with this unit, uh, with this attribute, uh, treat a dice roll of one two as a three instead. So, that's just for me. For me, that that's quite a huge boon. So I love maneuver. So, all of my units have got at least an extra inch that they're going to go. And if they're fly units, which I kind of like using fly units, that's an extra two inches that they go before you do anything. And then when you go to advance them, you go to advance at a minimum of three inches. So that's that's really good for me. I really like that. Yeah, think about Banshees, you know, guaranteeing that three inch uh, advance. I mean, yeah, so like this alone, you look at this and you're like looking at Sam Han, you're like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, because Banshees are the one to really talk about here because they've got an 8-inch move normally. This makes them a 9-inch move. And then with an advanced roll, you're guaranteeing a minimum of 3 inches. So they're going to be moving. Uh, they're going to be advancing a minimum of 12 inches. Yeah. And I think when you use Ghost Walk to give plus 2 charge um, and you cast that on Shining Spears, who are now, what, moving... 18 inches yeah 18 inches plus they're going to be advancing their six as well potentially yeah so if you need to advance them yeah you know they're you know that's crazy movement but you're i mean you're going to be able to get first turn charges off with shining spears in this in this configuration especially if you are saving like if you get some good strands of fate for um you know charges and stuff like that I mean, it's really, really good. Yeah, so so that's my first pick. And then the second pick is Swift Strikes. 
which is in your shooting phase, each time a unit with this attribute is selected to shoot, unless that unit fell back in this turn, uh, until the end of the phase, it counts as having remained stationary. Booyah. I mean, so, it's ridiculous. Go, dude. <laughs> so that means that all of my all of my units are advancing everywhere. And then they're going to shoot. When they're advancing, uh, they're getting, most of them are going to be flying, so getting two inches. Uh, and then they're going to advance up to, to, to whatever. Uh, so they're going to essentially get a minimum of three inches extra move uh, with a potential of up to uh, eight inches extra move. And they're going to be able to just shoot as if they stood still. So things like my Dark Reapers... Uh, they're moving eight inches, and they get to shoot as if they stood still with their heavy weapons. I mean, you don't even have to take that Exarch power to do that. I mean, like, I'm thinking uh, mech with mech units. Like, yep. you, you know, say you do take star engines. You are flying all over the place, unloading some of the best firepower in the game. Hornets are filthy with swift strike. Yeah, absolutely gross. Yeah, so, so for, for me and my jet bikes and stuff, this just becomes really, really quite, quite powerful. And then yeah, again with the with the tanks then as well. So things like falcons and stuff, you can really get these guys into positions where you where you need them. Uh, even looking at maybe getting some some vipers as well because this really stacks well with them too. I mean, I think this craft. I, I'm going to just say it right now. Like, I think this is the strongest combination i think it's better than all the other craft worlds i think it's incredible um and i am going to be sorely put to the test and not playing this craft world <laughs> like all the time I, i'm gonna let wes have his fun because i need to talk about other things on the show i'm going to make sam han work i don't care <laughs> um but i will be playing this craft world i have not yet but just for my wind riders i mean that is bananas when you stack that on top of phantasm turn one and two you are deploying like you can redeploy literally your entire army you are going to be able to put shots anywhere on any unit anytime with this with these craft world traits they this is a brutal combination yeah i love it <laughs> i remember when i first spotted it it was like one o'clock in the morning and i've been staring at the codex for a while i was like <laughs> Whoa. and it gets better when you stack it with some of the uh, the other equipment and stuff out there as well that you uh, give your wall on stuff so it's yeah it's pretty nuts so enough about me what's uh what's your pick i mean honestly i think those are the picks but i will give a nod to savage blades um i have a lot of striking scorpions i have 20 striking scorpions um and i'm gonna well, eventually like we'll get into it striking scorpions are insane in this book they are absolutely gross um they're going to be hard to play um but man if you can connect large units of them you are going to shred so um this is pretty simple savage blades each time a model with this attribute makes a melee attack if that model's unit made a charge was charged or perform a heroic intervention improve the ap by one do you want ap2 uh, chain swords with all the mortal wounds and all that other nonsense that striking scorpions are kicking out. I sure as hell do. Um, yeah, buy that for a dollar. Yeah, Savage Blades is really, really good. And it also tunes up stuff like uh, Wraith Blades with swords as well. 
Um, I think this has a lot of play. I think Eldar combat is phenomenal, and Savage Blades tunes that up just a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's really good. Uh, I, I do like that's that's probably my uh, my third choice in that one as well, especially if you're going combat heavy. It's a, it's a really good one. Yeah, I also like Wrath of the Dead. Um, Wraith Construct units with this attribute are eligible to perform heroic intervention as if they were a character. Uh, we've already talked about it, but uh, stuff in the middle of the board with juiced up Wraith Blades, phenomenal. Um, and then if they can make those three-inch heroic interventions, that is really, really deadly. Um, I know Space Wolves have definitely caught on in the... Um, tournament scene they're not exactly winning lots of tournaments but they're getting a lot of representation and you know i i guess i'd have to speak with space wolf players but i mean i think the heroic intervention thing is bananas this is like yanari stuff all over again um yeah and considering how, uh, more attacks and they you know wraith plays with axes don't have that minus one to hit i think is really really good yeah yeah, I, I really agree. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good old all round uh, choice. I think I really do. Should we look at some stratagems? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into it. Um, oh wait, we didn't talk about. Did you want to talk about Yanari, or do you want to save I, them? I think we'll, we'll talk about them as a as a, a separate thing by themselves. Does that work for you? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there's a lot of stratagems in this book. A lot, but I don't feel like the army is really contingent on them. No, and it, 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 I don't think we're going to go through them all right now because there's there's a lot to go through. Uh, but what I'd say is overall, it's it's less hill buffs here and there for, for most things. Uh, I think a couple of standout ones from from me particularly. I think uh, Link's Fire for the Fire Prisms is really good. Um, because, oh, in fact, let me just read this out. Uh, use a strat at the start of your shooting phase. Select one fire prism model uh, from your army and then select one or two other friendly fire prism models within 12 inches and visible to that model. Uh, until the end of the phase, each time the first fire prism model you selected shoots using the focused lance profile of its, fire pr of its prism cannon, that model makes two additional attacks with the profile of that weapon using uh, the weapon's focused lance profile for each of the other fire prism models you selected so essentially every all those three fire prisms are shooting through that one fire prism uh and the other bonus you get is that uh invulnerable saving throws cannot be made against attacks made by that unit with this weapon until the end of the phase each other fire prism model uh, you selected cannot make an attack with that fire prism for me, this is huge. So you can take three fire prisms and essentially fire them through one of them and they ignore invulnerable saves. Yeah, and I mean, without breaking the NDA, that's going to be a big deal um, in the not too far future. Uh, I'm a fire prism guy. I know you're more of a night spinner guy. Um, yeah. I love fire prisms. The stratagem is so, so good. And I think when you use it with your custom craft world, um, swift strikes that means you can race these things literally anywhere on the board and then you if you have like vectored engines or you decide to um, fire and fade the sort of lead prism it's just such great uh such great movement and just phenomenal offense yeah and it, make, it builds resilience into the units as well 
because if if one of them's degraded, it doesn't matter. You just shoot it with the uh, the one that's, the profile that's not degraded. And just to, just to tap into the just to explain why it's really good is that that focus lance is a sixty inch range, heavy two, strength fourteen, minus five, <laughs> and three d three damage. So you're if you've got three of these guys, you can get six shots at strength fourteen, minus five. So with no invulnerable saves, and doing three d three damage. I mean, just horrific. Uh, the fire prism is nasty. It's really, really nasty. And I'm glad that the, this is not like the Tau thing where it's just built into the unit um, that you got to expend some resources. I mean, the fire prisms are great on their own, but this just turns them up to 11. And that's what I like about sort of the play between the data sheets and the stratagems. Like the stratagems put them over the top, but you don't need them. You don't need the stratagems to make the units feel like they should. But this is a great ability. Yeah, really like that one. So, <clears throat> yeah, so any demon princes and stuff on the board, that's uh, that's a really good one to go against those. Yeah, demon princes, greater demons, all that kind of stuff. Enemy avatars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any standout ones from you? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to go just a little bit offbeat, but I actually really like Avengers of Assyrian. Uh, use the stratagem at the end of your shooting phase. Select one dire Avenger unit from your army that is at, uh, that is below its starting strength. That unit can shoot again. Um, I know people might be bummed about dire Avengers getting out of the troop slot. I actually wish that they were in there, that they were just, you know, sort of modified points uh, to make them not the auto choice. Uh, but I actually really like dire Avengers and shooting twice with them it's old school blade storm and yeah. in i think a yanari build with them hitting on twos if they're below starting strength then shooting again like a big unit of like you know unit of 10 um taking some casualty shooting twice and then you could stack it with blade storm for exploding sixes really really good i think dire avengers are great um especially because they can um do actions and shoot so um, I think anybody that leads uh, leans into Dire Avengers will definitely be rewarded. Their data sheet is great. They've got great stratagems, and good lord, you throw a Sir, uh, Asserman on the board as well, and uh, <laughs> you not only have a strong theme, but you have a. I mean, Asserman is a beast, and Avengers are super versatile and really deadly. Yeah, just that's that a really cool strat, actually. Uh, I, I think my second pick really is uh, just because i like the trickiness of it it's phantasm um yeah. it's still there so use the stratum at start of the first battle round before the first turn select up to three as you only harlequins or unara units uh excluding titanic units from your army and redeployment that that for me is just great so just getting to redeploy those units yeah it's it's such an, a, a huge ability especially with, again you're going to hear this a lot with your craft world trait I just think the movement and redeployment is just unparalleled. Yeah. <laughs> Only good if you're deploying first, but uh, it's, it's, I seldom see a reason to deploy second and then go, ah, you thought it was going there, and then redeploy them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also want to give like an honorable mention to Tears of Isha. Like This has actually been uh, somewhat improved. Um, use the stratagem in your command phase. Select one Craft World Wraith Construct model from your army. That model gains up to D3 lost wounds. If the selected model is within six, inch, six inches of a friendly spirit seer, 
that model regains three wounds. If you select a Titanic model, it's two CP. That is a great stratagem, um, especially for Eandon. I think actually I've been taking Spirit Seers in my lists um, because Warlocks have shifted out of that role and um, they're cheap, they're good, and um, that reroll ones is awesome. And uh, yeah, healing, though, I really like Wraith Lords and Wraith Knights now yeah so i like like a little squad of three wraith lords marching up the board with um a spirit seer in between them really solid uh wraith seer too yeah yeah really really good uh any others you want to touch on or should we uh move on i guess we can go a little bit more detail on those in the, in the future yeah like the harlequin ones and all of that stuff the, all the really good ones are still there we'll cover all that when we do harlequins yeah so next cool thing to talk about is Exarch powers. So they introduced this uh, during Psychic Awakening, didn't they? Um, and I think for the most, they, they, were, they were a bit of a miss, I think, for the most yeah. part. But these ones are actually really quite cool. Um, so what allows you, for every Exarch that you have in the army, essentially you can buy uh, Exarch upgrades. So each one uh, gets a plus one to its wound characteristics. So most Exarchs have two wounds, so they go up to three wounds. Uh, and then if they're a fighty one or a shooty one, uh, if they're a shooty one, they get plus one to their ballistic skill. If they're a fighty one, they get plus one to their attack skill. Apart from corpse spiders, <laughs> which I consider a shooty unit. Sorry, but Wes. because they've got blades, <laughs> he gets a plus one attack. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so each one gets there. Uh, how much detail do you want to go in for these right now? Um, these are all pretty... Um, there's a lot of rules here. Um, I, why don't we just choose some of our favorites? Yeah, okay. So I'm going to jump straight in. My favorite one is the Howling Banshee one. Because I've uh, given my Howling Banshee blades... Mm -hmm. And there's an ability here for 15 points that gives you the plus one wound. It gives you plus one to your weapon skill, and it also gives you a plus one to the damage characteristic of the melee weapons. Yeah. She is a whirlwind. She is putting a boatload of attacks in, which go from damage one to damage two. There's a 100% increase in the damage output of this, uh, of that Harlequin Exarch. Yeah. I so mean, Harlequin Exarch, Halibachi Exarch. She feels like a, a Harlequin Exarch. Um... This ability is great. This is the one I take too. Um, in my lists, I found, I think I say overall, it's really hard to upgrade all of your aspect warriors to have powers. Um, I, I, I will say that this book is feels tight on points, at least for me. Um, and so I've only been able to do one. I, I give this ability to um, my girl with the glaive and I use her as a character hunter. Uh, damage yep. three, uh, executioner is really good. But yeah, I th this is my go-to as well. Yeah, I think it's great for like for me with with that uh, Banshee Exarch with the the mirror blades. She's got eight attacks, uh, <laughs> straight four minus four two damage, uh, and then the, I think it's a plus one to to the wound roll as well, isn't it? So it's just yeah. So she's hitting space screens on twos and then wounding them on uh, on threes and they die. <laughs> so yeah. Um, as like a sort of wing girl to Jane Czar, the Exarch Banshee, uh, the Banshee Exarchs are so nasty. They feel like uh, like Templar-esque 
squad leaders where you're just like, ooh, for your opponent yeah. is ugly. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you have any other choices that you like? Yeah, um, it's definitely uh, kind of expensive, but I, I like it. Um, expert Lancers for the Shining Spears. Each time a model in this unit makes an attack, if that unit made a charge, uh, move this turn and contains a Shining Spear Exarch, add one to the attack's hit roll. Uh, you know, weapon skill two, Shining Spears, really, really clutch. They're, they're expensive. Um, they're really hard hitting and you don't have a lot of them. So this really sort of guarantees that you get the job done with them. I love it. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I do like that, uh, and it plays really well into your playstyle as well. So, yeah, and that's and that's the thing with these ones. It's I think you have to pick your poison because, like you mentioned earlier, like fifteen points, twenty points here and there splattered across your army adds up over time. So you really have to go. I really want this unit to be good at this. So, um, yeah, so so picking the right one for you for that is uh, is important. I think and not doing too many across the army because otherwise you just run out of points pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so for me, my, my second choice would be uh, for the Warp Spiders, because even though uh, I get a plus one to my fighting role, I still uh, see them shooting, and I, I like the trickiness of it, so Web of the Seeds, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still there at the moment, which is once uh, per battle, if this unit contains a Warp Spider Exarch model, instead of making a battle focus uh, move, uh, you can remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again on the battlefield that is more than nine inches away from enemy models. I like this because you can shoot at unit, you can get close to them, shoot them, and then uh, you can just go, see ya, and then you can battle focus to somewhere else on the board, which is pretty strong. Yeah, they're really good. Um, I also like cr uh, Crushing Blows uh, for Striking Scorpions. Um, the Exarch automatically wounds the target. Expensive, but the Striking Scorpion Exarch is a monster. Um, he's a great, great character slayer with his claw. Yeah, I agree. And I think my, my last pick that I've been using, uh, that I like, uh, just because I'm kind of committed to the Dark Reapers right now, is the uh, the Bring of Death. I've fitted mine with the Reaper Launcher, and it essentially just allows me to make an additional attack with that uh, with that shot. So it's, it's three shots with the Reaper Launcher, uh, or two if I've gone for the uh, the higher profile. Which again, it's just it's just a nice buff. Increases the uh, the killing potential of those guys as they're going around the battlefield. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I we'll get more into uh, Dark Reapers. I, I I think they're solid enough, and uh, that yeah, I, I feel like that makes them sort of like inch up a bit closer to the par which the other aspect warriors exist. I don't think they're as good as the other aspect warriors. Yeah, but it's a it's definitely a good ability. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I don't think they're the competitive choice, but uh, I think this gets them up there to being more of a competitive choice. Cool. Any others you want to touch on? Mm. Well, yeah. What What is the name of the ability? Um, yeah, this is actually pretty brutal. Um, burning Heat for Fire yep. Dragons. I mean, this ability is gross. <laughs> it's plus 25 points, but like if... I don't know. Knights become a thing. Uh, yeah, you don't really like this one. So while this unit contains a fire dragon Exarch model, each time a model in that unit makes a ranged attack that, and that target is within nine inches, if a hit is scored, the attack automatically wounds. That is nasty. <laughs> that is just straight yeah. up nasty, oh. man. 
just really good, isn't it? There's nothing else to really say about that. It's just fantastic, especially uh, when later on you can, uh, when we look at the Falcon, the Falcon has the ability where you can just uh, drop it down turn one. These guys can jump out and then shoot. So these guys are coming out of the, the Falcon drop pod and just uh, automatically doing wounds when they hit. Something tells me GW made a concerted effort to make fire dragons just a little bit better than eradicators. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was that meme going around for quite a long time, wasn't it? Better fire dragons, uh, but I think fire dragons might have their mantle back. Yeah, oh, fire dragons are really, really good. They're still challenging. Um, they're still challenging to use, but they're really good. Yeah. Cool. So, should we uh, chat about some relics? Yeah, relics. Uh, there's a lot of relics um, for the uh, in this book. Quite a few pages, and they're all really good, actually. Um, it's definitely a challenge to choose like which one you want, especially for the autarchs. Yep. So, so one thing I just want to talk about is that I don't know about you, uh, but for me, I, I generally find that the pistol relics are just a little bit off. They're never particularly good. Um, but I think I've made an effort to make this one a, a bit better. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually, the, the Harlequin pistol bonus that you get is actually really neat. Like, just, just for, for fun, I want to give that a go sometime. But yeah, they're, they're, I, I just think the pistol relics can just never really hit the mark. Yeah. But for me uh my choice um so we talked about my trait earlier and what's better than going an extra two inches is actually is if you're uh you've got a movement characteristic of 20 inches before you even start so yeah so putting my uh my autark or potentially fire suit i've generally go with the autark with a uh, a lance and having a, a 22 inch base move before i do anything it's pretty gnarly really yeah this is i like I, this is the debate I always have is going with all of the um, the warlord and relics from Sam Han or going for this one and putting it into the uh, children of the open skies detachment. Uh, I, I think because you're guaranteeing delivery of the autark, this is better because I feel like the, the Sam Han autark is is awkward to use because he can't tag along with another yep. unit this makes sure that he can just pretty much go anywhere he needs to be yeah and that's for, for me like 20 a 22 inch move uh and the bearer has objective secured ability as well that's just uh it, it can tip the balance if they've got objective secured then you're uh not going to do much but if you're going into a smaller unit or a unit that doesn't have objective secured then you're going to trump them and score the objective for this guy yeah like a unit of um like a unit of terminators or something like that sat in the middle of the board you throw your shining spears and your autark into them you know the autark sort of buried in the unit um yeah and then all of a sudden you're trumping them on the objective while the rest of your army sort of surges around them uh yeah really solid yeah because that's uh you know if you think about it it's a 22 inch move with my one plus six inch advance so you've got 28 inches there on the table that you can just get an objective secured model somewhere if there is something that's holding objective that isn't objective secured. Yeah, like I'm thinking of those uh, Phobos Marines, like Incursors or something like that. You could just like send the Autark like whirling out to go and grab them uh, yeah. and take them off, which you could, you know, in the, uh, in, the, in the scoring game, it's a big deal. 
yeah, that, that's it. So that's that's my choice. How about you? Is um, that your choice as well? I I really like that one, but I I do like the Sam Han, the Talisman of Tian Shar. Plus one strength, plus one damage is really nasty. I, like a Thunderhammer, um, Thunderhammer Autark that can advance and charge is really really solid. Um, so I probably think the jet bike is probably the better move, but just in turn uh, the the Wild Rider Autark is a hammer in combat. So. I think it's really good. I actually like the uh, Aegis of Eldenesh too. Um, the two plus, uh, two plus armor, and minus one damage. I think is good on like a foot autark. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's that is a good relic to go with as well. Yeah. Um. There was another one that interested me as well. I can't remember which it was now. Falshu's wing again. That, that's another one I quite like as well because the the twelve inch move that you get for and the fly keyword. So, if you've got backfield uh, farsier that you've got there, then actually be able to move that around uh, is it, pretty useful. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of funny because you get like the swooping hot grenade drop on him too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So on a two plus, you do D three mortal wounds. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So so going back to my craft war trait, that's a fourteen inch move. So essentially, you are. Yeah, you are a uh, sweeping hawk at that point. Yeah, brutal. My God, that 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 craft world. We're never gonna stop <laughs> talking about it. I already know it. <laughs> no, it, it, there's more to come yet. There's more yeah. to come. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, anything else to talk about the relics, though? Uh no, not specifically. They're all really good. The Harlequins get all of their good ones back as well. Um, the Exarchs get. Uh, they they get relics as well. Yep. Um, Do you wanna? The, pick any of those particularly um i think uh i think they're all pretty pretty solid some of them are better than others um i like uh i actually like the striking scorpion one um the what is it it replaces the biting blade and the biting blade is actually really good um yeah but, but this makes uh the turns the biting blade into strength six minus two two damage and you get two additional attacks with this weapon um so I personally think that hordes are going to continue to be like a really big deal. I, I think, I don't think, uh, Admech is going anywhere. Um, I think that armies like Templars are really good as well. And this, I mean, striking scorpions are really good and they put out a ton of quality attacks. Also thinking about Tyr We all know that Tyranids are next, you know, GW's released that and, boy oh boy um striking scorpions are great against them and orcs i'm excited to see like what way orcs are going to develop because they are still amazing yeah yeah because with the, the, the strength five attacks against the uh the orcs toughness five now that's uh that that does make a difference they're almost almost made for killing orcs really aren't they yeah they are um and we all know that guard has not received their codex either. Not that you really need this, but I mean, uh, wow. Yeah. The the right. Exarch is a monster, especially if you take um, the auto wound as well. So, uh, Exarch ability. Yep. Uh, I think the other one I kind of like is the the Phoenix Plume, which is the Sweeping Hawks. The bearer gets a four plus invun. Uh, and the unit then gets a uh, a five plus feel no pain essentially, so 
it just makes them a little bit more resilient because the sweeping hawks in my army are my go-to unit for, for just going around and crabbing objectives. So anywhere I can make them a little bit more resilient is uh, is good for me. Yeah. Yep. I love sweeping hawks. I th- I like that one too. I almost picked it. Yep. Cool. Any others you want to cover there? No. I think I think like once we get into the um, once we start like going in depth into the aspect warriors, we could sort of get into all the other relics. Um, because there is some good play there, but I think I, I, I will definitely say that you have to be careful with all of this stuff because you have a finite amount of resources and you can really tune up a few units, but uh, you could, the, the impulse to tune up everything is strong, but yeah. I, I think the, you're going to run out of resources real, real quick. So I would just be sparing and sort of choose like, this is my primary unit of aspect warriors or these two units are the one i'm focused on and i'm going to juice them up and they have a very specific mission because if you burn those resources i think you're going to have um a lot of toys not enough boys so yeah i agree yeah it's 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 really easy to put money after bad money in some of these things as well so yeah but when we we're going to do a a dedicated aspect in phoenix uh lord uh, show and we'll really take a deep dive into all of these I'm looking forward to that one yeah absolutely uh like i said at the beginning of the show i'm excited to do like whole episodes on on some of these aspects <laughs> yeah sweet so should we talk about warlord traits yeah i actually really like the warlord traits yeah so i'm gonna jump right in there because uh we've already talked about my 22 inch move uh autark on jet bike what's better than 22 inches let's make it 24 inches because this falcon swiftness which you add two inches to this warlord's movement characteristic this warlord can ignore the effects of difficult uh, ground and terrain each time this warlord makes a battle focus move do not uh, roll the dice instead uh, this warlord can move up to six inches this is the one dude you, you've picked all the ones what more can i say <laughs> god damn it <laughs> just great like you can you can pop out especially you know if you give him the um the fusion gun as well you pop out pop something go back behind cover it's just awesome really really good yeah um i really really love that one i mean that that's that's my pick as well um but i mean i i know it sounds lame but i actually think the sam han one i think if you're going with sam han you stack all those things you have a real monster um i think you got a real monster of an autark there so i still like that one um what else? What else? What else? Uh, you know, Walker of Many Pass is pretty good. Once per turn, you can reroll one hit, one wound, or one damage roll uh, for this Warlord. That's really solid, too. Yeah, it's a fairly standard one that goes around that, but uh, it's, it's a good staple, isn't it? Yeah, I think for like an Autark with a Reaper Launcher and a, uh, a uh, Jump Generator. Yep. Yep, so. really really quite cool okay should we uh talk about the psychic disciplines yeah yeah because this is actually like one of the big sort of damage or the power limiters i think that has been set on the book i don't like it thematically but i think from a game balance perspective it was it was the move yeah yeah i think so too especially with lots of things getting improved in the data sheets then uh, it's kind of going away from lots of buffing type army to actually just having solid data sheets, which uh, is my personal preference. It may not be the preference of others, but yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. 
Yeah, so I think like the thing I want to just sort of lead off with is that these psychic powers can only be cast on core units. Only core units can benefit from them. So you can only cast them on core units. And if you're doing like maledictions, like doom and stuff like that, only core units are going to be re-rolling, you know, to wound if you're doing doom. And it sucks from like a thematic perspective because like the aspect warriors, in my opinion, are the ones that you shouldn't really need to cast psychic powers to make them work and you don't need to the aspect warriors don't need help um but what that means is that the vehicles uh the support vehicles don't get those benefits anymore you can't no. you can't guide and doom stuff for your war walkers your vipers your fire prisms your night spinners your hornets um and that's a huge huge deal um those are the units that should get it, but let's face it, like all that reroll ability with uh, all those lances, that wouldn't have been fun. That would no, not have been it, fun for your opponents. I, that would have been bad. Yeah, and it's it is finding that balance, isn't it, between actually, yes, if you're playing competitively, you want everything to be as finely tuned and as great as it possibly could be, but then it gets to the point where it's just too much and it becomes oppressive, and I think had had they gone for that it would have been oppressive so yeah it's it's a bit of a sting for some people but i think it's right yeah i think so too um i think it's the way and uh it's a big big change and they've shortened the range on a number of the powers too as we'll get into um like all of the farseer powers went from like 24 to 18 not a huge fan of that but um so be it yeah yeah, that's the, the <clears throat> that was my only real criticism. Of these really is that 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 eighteen to twenty four was it with the other things it was taking off. It was just probably a a, a bit tad too far. Yeah, there. Uh, you know, it's like why don't you just raise the warp charge? You know, um, if you're too concerned about it being uh, you know non-interactive or whatever, you just make it more difficult to cast, especially because you can't re-roll. Uh, with the helm of the farseer and so um and like i keep mentioning you can't battle focus your sky runners around with units really anymore unless you're doing like unless you're have units with like dual catapults yeah so there's a decent amount of risk involved you know the, the psychic powers are great and they've gotten actually some buffs um like guide works in combat now which is amazing but uh, the change to the range is 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 a huge deal, as is the limit on everything. You know, it has to be for core units, so it sucks. Uh, that yep. part of it sucks, but it's not it's, it's not crippling. It's just challenging, which is not a bad thing. Uh, any any standout changes for better or for worse? Do you think within these? Uh, standout for worse is definitely quicken. I felt that that was really unnecessary. It's it's one unit, double moving, and yep. like what I always say is like white scars can advance and charge everything. Like what is the problem here? Like I don't I don't understand. Um, I know it's really powerful. So what? There's lots of really powerful things out there. It's it's one unit, especially if it's like shining spears. It's six. You know, a six-man squad of spears. Who cares? Like, in yeah. an, one unit of Sam Hamm and advancing and charging, I don't really see what the big deal is. Um, 
I mean, you can kill shining spears with bolters. So, but it's it's not gonna it's not killing my enjoyment of the codex or anything like that. But um, I, I I do wish I I said this so so many times that I wish that there was more advance and charge uh, for Eldari like Reavers like come on like reavers should be able to advance and charge if you can advance and charge with like you know foot white scars like let's go but um yeah it's a tough one i don't like it um and you could always monkey with the warp charge to, to make it more difficult to cast but so be it it's still it's still useful like on a unit of wraith blades double moving them into the middle of the board um or just like hey you know double moving them and then you have the heroic intervention craft world trait on them you know, there's still use for for quicken but i don't yeah. like that change yeah it, it is quite it's quite a kick that one isn't it uh it is quite a quick uh and yeah like we can say when you see with some of the wallets so with some of the um the craftful trait like my one there it's you you can get first turn charges as well so i'm not sure uh how much it was really needed but it is uh it is that and uh it does seem that they are going that way with the game. So maybe when white scars get done again, that won't be a thing for white scars either. So I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. But I think guide is probably the big standout in terms of change. Uh, Rerolling hits in shooting and combat is a huge, huge deal. Uh, It really opens up a lot of things, especially for large units. Like I'm, thinking of wraith blades um wraith blades might be too expensive for some people's tastes but um they receive buffs so well and their powers you're going to take regardless so um i really like them as a you know sort of delivery or not a delivery but as a recipient for psychic powers and their their quality is so good but i mean guide is great for everything banshees um Yunari can also cast Guide, so that's a huge buff to them as well. Um, yeah, I love it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just always been a solid solid pick, isn't it? I think it's uh, it remains that way too. Yeah, um, I, I'd say my dark horse though is probably Will of Assyrian. Um, so it's Warp Charge, um, it's Warp Charge six. Uh, you cast it on an Asriani core character. Uh, the unit gains objective secured each time a morale test for that unit is taken it's automatically passed if that unit is performing an action it could still make attacks with range weapons without that action failing i love this i've actually it's like i'm trying to work this into my lists um especially when you combo this with a phoenix lord their chosen aspect and then this psychic power you have like really elite units running around uh with objective secured my my play with this is jane czar and a unit of banshees going after one sort of objective held in the middle of the board and claiming that with that then you have like a farseer buffing another unit of banshees with will of assyrian uh with objective secured i think it's i think it's really 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 good especially if you can sort of like wrap and trap um i know it's not as easy to do um but still you have to use um you know you got to use that stratagem and you can't use it in both uh you know on two units so i, I think will of assyrian I th- this is like one of those like sean naden powers that i think he'll get into yeah and for me things like um 
uh, the Wraith card. It's it's so Wraith blades and stuff. Like yeah, I think they're going to be a key part of most people's armies now because Eldari as a whole struggle that resilience of holding objectives, which let's face it, this current edition of the uh, of the game really is about holding objectives. So putting a unit of the, these guys maybe coming through the webway gate and then just being juiced up with something like this is, is, is quite it's quite the buff and you know, they can really just take objectives off people and hold them it's great yeah really really strong i think that again like the wraith blades i didn't want to go back to it again but <laughs> you back yeah so you know like and wraith blades for example they are an absolute brick they're not going anywhere from like when you cast this power you i think there's a, actually a case to do like a fortune will of assyrian farseer just like purely to for staying power and objectives yeah yeah there really is so um yeah so it's there's, there's some nice changes there like you'd like say that will of Zurin's are really good go-to ones there's some really nice buffs across it i think um some of the downgrades are probably the right thing to do in terms of making them core only i think the 18 inches for me it's probably a little bit on the harsh side but um there's, there's definitely some play now on a lot of these. And you've got three psychic trees that you can play with there as well. Um, yeah. With just Azurani. So you've got the runes of battle, uh, you've got the runes of fate, and you've got the runes of fortune as well. So, you know, I, I don't, I can't think of any other codex that's got that much access to psychic powers. No. Um, you know. And that's before you added the revenant discipline and the the phantasmancy discipline for for harlequins too <laughs> yeah and since they sort of broke up like the sub faction soup for like thousand sons and stuff like that um i think eldar definitely have uh the best variety and versatility in terms of psychic powers so and they opened it up for yunari too which is good so you know yunari warlocks yunari farseers um have access to their you know uh what is it? I always forget. Fate in battle, as well yes. as Revenant. Um, unfortunately, Avrain can't uh, draw from anything but Revenant, but Yunari are, are really, really good in terms of their psychic game. Yeah, they, they are legit. Cool. Anything else to say on psychic powers? Uh, yeah, I think I, I've already mentioned it, but uh, Ghostwalk is still really good. Um, you know, cast oh. it on core or characters. And add two to the charge. I think that's huge, uh, especially in the uh, in uh, Children of the Open Skies. And I mean for um, for Sam Han as well. So say like you do advance and charge with your shining spears, and then you have an autark with the um, Sunstorm relic. Yep. You kind of get the best of both worlds. Like you, you could sort of dip into both. Uh, you sort of getting a similar effect to Children of Open Skies. So I, I really like anything that sort of buffs your movement. I'm always looking for that. <laughs> you and me both, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in that case, it's just a, I guess it, just a quick chat about the, the Crusade stuff, really. Um, I, I really like it. It's some really cool stuff in here. Like uh, for the Azurani part. Azurani is all about following the, the, the various paths and stuff and uh, during Crusade you get the path of the warrior, the path of the seer and the path of the outcast that you can uh, take your uh, your army along which is uh, really quite cool yeah yeah uh, man, so much cool stuff in this book it's just absolutely incredible I mean it just goes on and on 
Yeah, and I and I think we, we're going to do a, a dedicated crusade bit because it kind of ties in what we've been talking about in the previous episodes where we're doing our, uh, our crusade campaign with um, with our armies and stuff. So uh, I think probably there's, there's so much. This is like probably a couple of episodes in its own to, to talk about here. So I don't think we should go into it too much right now. Yeah, I, I will say um, uh, I'll, uh, I'll echo what Eric from... Uh, Oh my good lord! From his new show with Brian, um, Lost to the Nails, said they they sort of have two different roads they go down with um, Crusade content in these codexes. There's sort of short-term Crusade content where the payoffs are like more immediate, and then there's ones that are meant for like really long-form campaigns. And Sisters are long-form campaigns. The Eldari content is long-term. Uh, it takes like a real long. It takes a while to get everything you need to really start getting the most out of these guys. Um, I will say one of the really cool things that did make its way. That's more of like a short-term thing. Is that you can um, have your characters who die in games become wraith constructs. So really like that. Oh, oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And why would you not? That's so cool. Uh, no reason to absolutely <laughs> zero reason to so it's a really good excuse to model up a really sick Wraith Lord yeah I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into that and actually uh, uh, going through that because the, um, the the souls you need one's really cool as well and the, uh, the grand performance of the Harlequins is really quite interesting as well um, yep it's all really fun stuff. We got to do, and we will do like a whole episode for this because we're, you know, we both really love Crusade. Um, yeah. But there, it's it's like a lot. Like it's a whole it's a whole process of sort of cultivating these units over like many many games and sort of balancing them across like the core rule upgrades that you can take in addition to this stuff. Um, there's a big discussion to have with all of that so it really needs uh, an episode all unto itself yeah absolutely agree but uh highly highly recommend going through that if you are a uh i think most eldari players are quite into the law so actually i think you'll find that very satisfying yeah um i i'm really excited about it like i know like my favorite units like my shining spears and all of that stuff i've done a crusade campaign with them and man they get they get really nasty like uh yeah. they get really nasty really quick uh or not really quick but they jump up dramatically in, in power and they feel like really legendary units which is just what i want out of crusade yeah, it's, it's it's nice it's nice when you get that sort of immersion with it as well, and you can really invest in the unit that you're passionate about. And it's uh, it's really fun. It is totally on board. Yep. So let's talk about data sheets and abilities that you will get. Um, I guess start with battle focus. Thank God, battle focus is back. Um, we we went over this previous, but um, just just to summarize. Uh, you can advance and shoot assault and pistol weapons without penalty, or you can um, roll d6 and make a normal move, you know, per the dice roll in inches uh, after you've shot. But you get, uh, there's penalties. You can't go back into your transports, and you get uh, minus three when moving through area terrain, which is a huge limiter. And it's so funny because when people first saw Battle Focus, they're like, oh, it's, it's, 
broken second movement phase and then like the leaks came out uh revealing like the terrain limitations and they're like oh it sucks why even have that as an ability (laughs) i'm like dude what the hell battle focus is amazing it's so good it's so good because you don't necessarily have to go through terrain if you can position your units this way the the skill comes into it is actually positioning and you know if you've got extra movement stuff to get into those places where you can get them next to terrain shoot and then move so you're behind the terrain so you're out of line of sight then that's actually really really effective i know um, like how long we've we been talking about line of sight blocking terrain like guys <laughs> come on yeah, yeah. so it, it's just nice that that's the thing uh would say though that uh a small thing to consider is that eldari models now seem to be going towards 28 inch mil bases which means that that's greater than an inch so you need uh really five inches to to go the other side of cover with this yeah and and i'm fine with that because i think we said this a few episodes back i think most eldar players they don't like being that army that everybody hates it sucks uh it's just like i get so tired of all the griping and it's almost like no matter how good they are it's like whatever tricks you have because everyone's so friggin' traumatized (laughs) i'm like you know so i'd rather have like I'd rather them be like a little bit more cautious and have some like stiff restrictions, but still have great abilities. So I'm fine with it. Yeah, uh, it's it's really nice. It's really, it just feels like you're playing with Eldari. Uh, I'm glad it's back. I'm glad it has some restrictions. So yeah, like you say, you, you don't become that guy. Yeah, and uh, I don't think that you're gonna be this uh, that guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to repeat this. Um, but I think the, the 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 floor on this army is significantly higher than uh, some of the other top tier armies. It's not like Gene Stealer Cult, where you really really have to be dialed in as a player to do well. But um, it's not like uh, it's it's not like Drukari were when they first came out. Where it was just like very obvious. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's some play that you have to make to make these good, and I and I like that as an Eldari player. I don't. I don't like point-and-click armies. I like some that require some degree of skill to actually um, uh, to be good at. Yeah, I mean, some armies I want to be like sort of dumb, like Crusher Stampede. I'm like, yes, I love yeah. it. Publish that immediately. <laughs> yeah, and, or orcs charging towards things. Yeah, it, it, it's nice, and I, I think this plays into the narrative of what uh, Eldar is meant to be. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so next thing to talk about, then I guess the favor of the cane. Uh, which is something that all Phoenix Lords gets. Uh, you kind of touched on it before, so they all get a 4-plus invun save. The model can only lose a maximum of 3 wounds in a each phase, and they have 5. Uh, this model cannot receive a relic or wall or trait. So good. So good. The, to me, like the staying power is more important than just like raw slaughter. Like... Um... What's his face? Drazar. You know, Drazar is like phenomenal, but the damage limitations are even better for me. This yeah. makes like almost all of the Phoenix Lords like a badden, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very fitting as well because you know it's uh, the resilience of their, their their suits and stuff. There's a person in it that's not really in it anymore because the suit is is the individual now. So yeah, it it, it, it kind of represents that uh, uh, indomitable sort of. Uh, suit that they're wearing and i like it yeah me too uh i think all the, this this rule on top of excellent data sheets 
and the Phoenix Lords are for real. Yeah, and I, and I tried the last edition, and my, uh, my my buddy and I used to play with him quite a bit, and uh, he uh, and I always used to put two Phoenix Lords in just because I really liked them, and uh, they were just not good. <laughs> they were not good. I tried my best, and they just weren't great at all. Yeah, they didn't represent anything near what they should be as legendary. Uh, fighters with Eldari, uh, this goes some way uh, to actually make them feel like they should. Yeah, and I, I like I'd rather have like a unit, not just like just trade a Phoenix Lord for like a unit of Space Marines or something like that. You know, it's like Jeans are like blitzes in, wipes out a unit of Space Marines, and then just gets annihilated the next turn. You know, by yeah. Bolter Fire. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and I, I, I just really enjoy playing with them um i think barrel's my favorite but uh we won't go into that quite yet <laughs> yeah i know you've been you've been going crazy about him and he is amazing so yeah so next thing to talk about is the strands of fate um so this has been previewed on warhammer uh uh community and so i'm not going to read through it all now but essentially what you get is uh yeah you're all uh a number of dice at the uh, the start of the turn so you sit roll 66 and uh, you get to retain uh different numbers of those dice so strike force is what most people use so out of the six dice you get to retain four dice uh and then depending what the results of those dice are uh so if it's a one it's an advanced roll if it's two it's a charge roll if it's three it's a psychic test four hit roll wound uh, on a five and a saving throw on a six uh, you get to automatically trade that dice that you've rolled there uh, for six. Pretty brutal. Absolutely nasty. Really, really, really good. So you can use this at multiple dice and multiple things as well. So if you've got something that you want to keep alive, you can uh, stack up those sixes if you've got them for, for saving throws. Yeah, yeah, I mean... You roll the uh, mark of the beast, and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're just uh, denying everything. So I mean, like on a ra- like I think like the wraith knight is like a great recipient of uh, of all of these. Yeah, yeah, because you want to keep that you want that beast to be doing the damage and keeping that thing alive as well, don't you? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, thing to know as well as we mentioned earlier is that Ulthway get to retain an extra dice. So if you're playing Strike Force, which is two thousand points. They get to retain five dice. That's really, really good. And Farseers give you additional manipulation of uh, Strands of Fate, which is really cool. Um, yep. So I think when you stack all of that with the Autarch's double command reroll, um, Eldar have lots of dice manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's really good. Uh, and, and I like the fact you, you feel like when you're doing this, that you're, you're casting the runes at the start of every turn as well. So... I've gone out and bought the uh, Aeronautical Imperialis dice because they're kind of like bone-looking Eldari dice. Cool. Uh, and so they're going to be my uh, my Strands of Fate dice every time I roll them. It's going to be cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Strands of Fate is really, really nice. I said this before. I didn't find it to be, like, game-breaking. Um, I mean, at times it can be game-winning. Game but, um, you know, I, maybe with more games out in the wild, it will feel different. But yeah. I don't. I don't. I did, never felt like it was oppressive, and my opponents never even said anything. They weren't just like, "Oh, Jesus Christ." Yep. No, it's it's really cool. Uh, yeah, I I really like it. And uh, what I really like about it is the example where it starts off 
Wes is playing a strike force battle. <laughs> yeah, who, who are they talking about there? I don't, I don't know. He sounds like a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> he does sound like a great guy. <laughs> I was so excited when I read that. <laughs> Dude, I mean, how legendary is that? Yeah, let me let me just talk about it. Have, have my moment. But having been like an Eldari player for, for a long time, pretty much carried a Eldari codex around me everywhere I've been. Uh, to, to work on this codex itself was a real privilege. And to then get a little, a little nod uh, in the book, it was just so exciting. It's like it's a small thing, and I tried to explain it to my mum my the other day uh, when I was showing her the book, uh, and she tried to get excited for me, but she just wasn't anywhere near as <laughs> <laughs> oh god that is so funny dude <laughs> yeah uh i guess there's just a, a few things then to to finish up on really it's deployment ability so advanced positions and sudden strike uh advanced positions is the being able to deploy nine inches from the uh enemy's deployment zone sudden strike is uh essentially coming in from i have to stop saying essentially uh is deep strike so appearing at the start of a reinforcement step nine inches from enemy models was fairly standard things that have been around and there's a nice splattering of some of these rules around the the codex too yeah yeah um it th i think like the one controversial thing is with like war walkers them not getting like their natural um sort of move in from reserves uh they instead have advanced positions but you know at the same time like i remember complaining about like sentinels being able to do that and um wishing that i could but now i have it and i'm like yeah i kind of like the other one now it's like you can't have both dude no so i, I guess i slightly preferred like the outflanking one yeah um yeah it's it's it's, it's a nice boatman it, it's it's redeployment shenanigans isn't it as well so yeah so stack that on top of phantasm you've got some serious play yeah yeah absolutely uh and the last one to talk about is the shuriken weapons uh, it's changed now, so on a roll of the six, uh, you increase the, well, decrease, increase, improve the uh, armor penetration characteristic by two. It used to be three, but I think this is better. Yeah, yeah. It's better because all of Shuriken weapons are now at AP1 to start with, so I'll take this any day. Yeah, me too, dude. Like, I, I love, love, love this ability. I would have been happy with just the range increase. Yeah. Um, but this makes them really, really good. And, uh, I think it, I think guardians, it's really hard not to take rangers in every list, but guardians are really good too. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. Cause they're two shots at 18 inches and minus one. That's, that's, that is a, that is a nice profile. It is. It's really solid. So I think that basically sums up all of the army rules. Um, just like the basic abilities of uh you know of this codex so i mean it applies to you know the pistols for harlequins and uh all that kind of stuff that falls into the shuriken umbrella as well but i, th I think that's basically all the basic uh unit abilities or army abilities yeah. rather should we uh jump into some data sheets then yeah yeah let's uh let's crack on Cool. Uh, where do you want to start? Just have a chat about the avatar. Yeah, the big man. A this lot. All right. Oh <laughs> my god, he is an absolute behemoth and monster. Um, the avatar is seriously so good. So we'll just go over his attributes. Uh, movement ten at his top tier. 
Weapon skill 2+, plus, ballistic skill 2+, plus, strength 7, toughness 8, 14 wounds, Ooh. 7 attacks, leadership 10, 2 plus armor, um, wailing doom in shooting, 12 inch, uh, assault 1, strength 12, minus 4, d6 plus 2, and it is a beam as well. So everything <laughs> that falls underneath the beam is taking all those hits. It's not... It's only it's only twelve inches, so it's not crazy, but I mean, still, it is a foot of the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be happy with half of that, mate. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, no, it's, it's it's a really good weapon. Uh, and I think the thing to point out from the stats as well is that <clears throat> is weapon still weapon skill does not decrease. Yeah, as it takes wounds as well. That's that's a big deal actually. So, uh, worst case, it's moving eight inches and still hitting on twos. Yeah, with five attacks at its lowest bracket yeah so um so with those with all of those attacks uh you know still hitting on twos um the wailing doom and melee is uh times two strength ap5 d6 plus two <laughs> jesus christ then uh sweeping blow uh user yep. minus two ap and damage two and it's two hits instead of one Yeah, that's just uh, it's just a beast, isn't it? So, so with that piercing strike, it's gonna be strength fourteen minus five and a minimum of three damage, possibly up to eight. Yes. And then with the sweeping blows, uh, <clears throat> it's gonna have somewhere between fourteen and ten attacks. It's just crazy. I mean, the avatar can go through absolutely anything in the game. Like, it really doesn't matter. Like, titans, night titans, uh, primarchs, demon primarchs, tanks. I mean, he is just, he is an angry boy. <laughs> oh, boy, is he ever. Uh, and you've not even mentioned really yet uh, that it has a 4 plus invulnerable save as well. And half dam or, uh and he reduces damage by half. Yeah, not by one, by half. <laughs> Just crazy. He is an absolute murder machine. Yeah, it does. It does state rounding up though, so uh, it's not uh, not overly broken. But yeah, uh, it's just. Uh, and the, his profile doesn't degrade until he gets to half wounds as well. So with that sort of thing, you can really, with this unit, you want to feel that you can push up the table. And I, I think with this uh, profile, with toughness eight. 14 wounds, 4 plus in Vun, and halving that damage, you can really push this guy up. Yeah, I think the Avatar, uh, he's expensive, but he is phenomenal. I think his board presence, his offense, just absolutely sick. I mean, I think um, <clears throat> with a big old unit of Wraith Blades going up the board with some Wraith Lords or a Wraith Knight, I mean, that is a lot to handle. I don't think I mean, you have to have incredible damage output um, to be able to deal with all of that toughness. Yeah. Yep. And you talk about uh, aura abilities as well. It, it, so as you are only core units, then 12 can uh, ignore their um, any combat attrition tests, uh, which is fine. But the big one for me is the anything, any as you are only core units within six inches, this model can re-roll their charges for that unit. Really, really good, um, and especially if you have him near a unit that is ghost walked, 
so they're plus two to charge. Um, Avatar is really going to make him, or uh, really make those units get those charges through. Yeah, so I, I really see this guy in, in a webway gate and then just appearing heroically, striding out of the webway into uh, into the enemy's front lines. Yeah, for one command point. Yeah, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, the Avatar is totally legit. He's a fantastic unit. Um, and I think I think he's kind of better than the Demon Primarchs, too, because it's just that, that half damage. Yeah, yeah, I just... I, I'm going to make lists around this one. Uh, I, I don't think, for me, it's going to be an auto-pick every time, but I think there are certainly armies in which I would want to build around using the Avatar. Yeah. Well, I agree. I agree. Like, in my Wraith Host build, even though he'd be phenomenal, I don't have him in there right now. I have, like, two Wraith Lords, a Wraith Seer, and some other options. Um, like I said, uh, the Craft Worlds, are, at least in my experience, I, I'm interested to see what other people do, like, where they get their sort of power from. But I have been really pinched for points. So, like, the really spicy units, like, even just, like, a small unit of Banshees is, like, okay like i'm running out of points you know i yeah. can't have three units of 10 banshees or i can but then what am i going to have for like punching tanks and whatnot so the avatar is like a big commitment but i mean if you take him he's phenomenal yeah it's, it's going to do the work that you need him to do cool uh which one to go to next in the in the data sheets i don't think we've got time to cover them all today um but the only ones you want to touch on next um, I mean, I guess like we could sort of um, like, we don't need to go through every single one of them, but I think it would be fun to just sort of talk about, uh, you know, what the hell? Let, let's uh, let's let's go over like a couple of Phoenix Lords, talk about our favorite aspects, and then maybe some of our um, favorite like vehicles and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, cool. So I'm going to start off with a bit of an elephant in the room. Uh, there is beautiful artwork on the, the front of this cover, uh, which shows an autark with some wings, a glaive, and a uh, a reaper launcher. You can't take that, unfortunately, as it stands. Um, they mentioned on Warhammer Community that you could build that, which you can because the, the model's mixed, but unfortunately on the, the datasheet profile it says that you can't build that. Whether that's a change in the future, I don't know, but you currently can't do that one, which I think is a bit of a shame. It's a huge shame. They really need to FAQ that because, like, um, I mean, the model makers went through the problem, uh, the, the hassle of making them interchangeable, and then they broadcast it on Warhammer Community. Like, come on. I mean, not, I mean, there's no reason not to have that combination. Like, none of those combinations are broken. The Autark is not super amazing. He's good. Yeah. Um, but none of those combinations are going to break the the world. It's not like the Tannhauser Bone um, Chaplain, uh, Black Templar Chaplain on a bike, where it basically takes <laughs> zero damage like the entire game. That's not what we're talking about yeah. here. So, yeah, I, I know they've got the thing where they like to keep mono kits separately, but I think this really should be uh, an exception, and I think uh, this should get an errata i'm not saying it is but I, I personally strongly feel that this should get an errata to allow you to build this autark in any combination that you can yeah i think so too uh and hopefully that changes and i, I have a feeling that it will that's not uh, i'm not leaving breadcrumbs on that one um but 
We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm not sure if they will. I hope they do. Uh, there are a couple of things I definitely think need a FAQ in, in this book, and that's one of them. Yep, I agree. Uh, do you have a pick to talk about? Yeah, um, I definitely want to talk about Jane Czar. I'm really excited about her. I don't think that she's um, just like, oh my god, she's going to flip over a Night Titan on her own. Not like Drazar, for example, but I think she is brilliant. Um, so she has the Phoenix Lord stat line, movement 8, uh, weapon skill ballistic skill 2+, Strength 4, Toughness 4, 6 Wounds, 6 Attacks, Leadership 9, 2 Plus Armor. Uh, Silent Death, which is her um, her Triskel. Uh, Salt 6, which is pretty crazy. 12-inch range, Strength 6, AP minus 3, Damage 1. So she's almost like throwing a unit of Howling Banshees at you. <laughs> um, yep. And then uh, the Blade of Destruction. So you got uh, Piercing Strikes, which is plus two strength. So gets her up to strength six. Uh, AP three, damage two. Then Sweeping Strikes, which is strength user, minus three, damage one. Um, and it's two hits instead of one. So she goes up to 12 attacks, minus three, you know, one damage. I mean, that is ridiculous. Yep. Um, she is a beast. She's nasty. And so Terra's Lament, that's her Banshee mask. Each time you select an enemy unit as a target of a charge made by the bearer's unit, until the end of the phase, that enemy unit cannot fire overwatch or set to defend. While an enemy unit is within engagement range of the bearer, uh, it's minus one attack. And um, that enemy unit is not eligible to fight this phase until all el eligible units from your army have done so. So fights last, no overwatch, minus one to attack, can't set to defend. Uh, she is so good. Yeah. And she's minus one to hit on top of that. And she gives that objective secured to uh, Banshee units within six. That's just crazy, isn't it? She is an absolute whirlwind, which is befitting uh, of what she is in the game, I guess. Yeah, she's she's brutal, and she's only taking three damage um, per phase. So if you're playing smart with her and you get her into combat, you know you're gonna she's gonna have to take like it's gonna take at least two rounds of combat to bring her down, which is good, yeah. you know. Uh, she has staying power, and she's nasty in combat. Yep, that is that is an absolute beast. And uh, it's just very fortunate you've got one painted up now. Yeah, I mean, wow, it's almost like I knew. <laughs> Are you a farseer? <laughs> <laughs> so, how about you? Is there any standout Phoenix Lords for you? Uh, I, I don't think it's the most competitive choices, but I love Baroth. And I love Baroth because they're just... Um, it's always been my favorite anyway. Um, and just it's just got really cool. So its stats are the, pretty much the same, but he's got a 14-inch move. Uh, the six wounds, weapon profile, it's got a 24-inch assault for strength six, minus two, flat two damage. And any time you roll a six to hit, it automatically wounds the target. That's quite nice. It says, you know, tap off some um, Marines. Uh, for its combat weapon, it's got um, plus one strength. It's gonna be strength five, minus three, Flat two damage, and any time you roll in a modified roll roll of a six to hit, you score an extra hit. So, 
it, pretty good shooting. It's got good shooting. It's got good uh, combat ability. And then for maneuver wise, it's got Cloud Striker. Sorry, Cloud Strider. Uh, when this move, so when this model consolidates or makes a battle focused move, you can instead remove this model from the battlefield and set it up anywhere on the battlefield that's more than nine inches from amending my models. This is quite cool because <laughs> this guy can <laughs> it can uh, move, shoot, and then rather than make his battlefield a uh, battle focused move, it can then just take it off the table, put it somewhere that's nine inches away. You can then, theoretically, it's a nine-inch charge at this point, but theoretically, you can then charge it into another unit, fight that unit. When it consolidates, you can then just battle for You can use that move again, take it off the table, and pull it somewhere else. Crazy. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think there's anything else quite like that in the game. I, I mean, I think he's phenomenal. I mean, if you, especially, I, I'm going to keep going back to this. You cast Ghost Walk on him because you can target characters, plus yeah. two to charge. I mean so good well so yeah so, so to bring that back if you cast that on him <clears throat> which is nice because you can have it because the psychic phase happens earlier on you can have it by the psycho and it doesn't have to end up near the psycho later so it's then got that plus two to the charge um so that when you then come to roll it needs a seven if it's nine inches away which actually if you then use the uh uh the the fortune uh uh Bruins of Fate, you can then um, just make one of those automatic six. So even if you run a one, it's going to make it into charge. So good, dude. So yeah. good. I mean, is that not... I mean, he's making that Corvus Corax cry. <laughs> yeah. Just a beast. I love it. Uh, just, like I say, I don't think it's game-changing, uh, but for me, the shenanigans and the, and the what-the-hell kind of... Uh, it's just so much fun. I really like that. It is. And, and the cool thing about it is you could just do it throughout the whole game. You're just sort of like harassing and torturing your opponent. It's not like you're wiping out like a unit of, you know, uh, Deathwing Terminators with Baharoth or something like that. But, um, you know, you're wiping out like small units bouncing here and there all over the board. And with his damage limiting abilities as well, I mean, just so good. Yeah. Just super annoying. I love it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that's my uh, that's my pick for the uh, for the Phoenix Lords. What do you want to go to next? Let's. Um, I, I will say Rangers are phenomenal. Uh, just to cover the troops section very briefly, uh, I think Rangers are the go-to. They've been in every single list that I've made. Um, I've sort of theory hammered some lists with uh, six units of <laughs> Rangers. Uh, they there's a. One of their secondaries that you can take is just so good for Rangers. You're going to max it out. We'll, we'll cover that once we get into all the chapter approved stuff. But in terms of scoring, Rangers are scoring machines in this game. Um, and I, I, I've always liked Rangers offensively as well to take out support characters, which is why I've flirted with the, um, with the concept of taking uh, six where I'd have like three units just going for scoring, performing actions, all of that stuff, especially because uh, their minus one to hit is back if you take the gloom field for five points. Yep. So they have that sort of elusive objective grabbing game back on point again. And uh, they're, they're, respect they're not too expensive in points. 
So I really love Rangers. I think that Guardians are good. I think they're they're really good. Storm yeah. Guardians, I even think, are situationally respectable. Like if you're like, I want to make this unit work, I'm like, go for it, dude. They're you know, yeah. they're, I think it's hard. It might not be worth it all the time, but they're not terrible. No, there's there's some play in them, and if you want to make that play, isn't there? Yeah. But Rangers are outstanding. They're scoring machines and expect to see a lot of them. Yeah, because they've gained uh, minus one to their AP as well, haven't they? Yeah. Which is a nice little buff. Um, I don't think they're, they're shooting output unless you do what you're talking about in terms of like max out on six units and stuff. Uh, and harassing characters and stuff is particularly strong. But their ability to, to play the missions is, is really good. Like retrieving that one data now where you have to roll the dice uh, and then compare that to your um uh, number of units and uh, models in the units because their troops they get a plus one to that so a five-man unit of this are automatically scoring that so uh they're really good um i, I like them a lot i've yeah. got at least at least two in my list at the moment uh the models are beautiful uh they take quite a lot of time to paint for me so i will probably add more of them in the future but uh yeah i'm really happy with two and i, I do want more more units of those in the future yeah, and LA Talk Rangers, it's worth mentioning, are fantastic. Like, all the little buffs they get and the stratagems and all that stuff, really, really good. Rangers are outstanding. I'm glad. They've always been my favorite troops choice. So they're back in a huge way because they got crushed by that ninth edition <laughs> FAQ in the beginning. <laughs> oh, did they ever? Oh, and Ballistic Skill 2, that was a change as well, wasn't it? Because I think they were Ballistic Skill 3 before. Yeah, so there is Sting in the Tail in that unit for sure. Um, and it, I mean, if you run into lots of like small support characters, they're great. They're like the bane of stuff like uh, Thousand Sons and whatnot, too. I've found, yeah, yep, I agree. Uh, I, I guess there's no other uh troop units in the that you want to talk about, is there? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, look, there's Corsairs. I mean, I love Corsairs, but. They're, I don't know if this is like an error or what, but they don't have the craft world keyword. They have Azriani, they have Eldari, they have Drukari, but they don't have like the craft world or Cabal keyword. And there's no caveat for them where they're like Harlequins, where they don't break army coherency. So technically, like you can't have craft world trait with them if you are taking, um, if you, if you're taking them in a detachment that doesn't just include Uriel. Yeah, they uh, probably need an errata there because <clears throat> it doesn't fit with the uh, like the theme of the book. I don't think that fits. No, it feels like a just a print mistake. Um, but yeah, it, it's a shame because they're, they're actually like solid enough. I like, I, I personally like the void scarred more with the, um, with the psyker, with the way seeker. Um, yeah. the models are amazing. Like the mo I mean, everyone's going to get them just for the models and the, you know, being able to take a blaster and all that kind of stuff is really solid. Shuriken rifle, 24 inch rapid fire one. Um, that's great. I remember me and Brian in our old show used to complain all the time. Like, you know, I think guardians always work best with las blasters, um, yeah. at 24 inch range. The shurikens are nice. Um, but I think as like a defensive unit, they're, they're better at 24 inch range, even if the offense is slightly less. 
So uh, I, I like Corsairs. They they hit a lot of the things that I'm looking for in Eldar troops. But unfortunately, just from an army construction um, standpoint, they're uh, they're difficult, especially because they don't fill up mandatory uh, troop slots unless it's just pure Corsairs. And again, Uriel, Uriel is the only HQ option they have. So at present, very difficult. <laughs> if, if that does get changed, they do have a nice thing, which is a Reavers of the Void. So each time a model in that unit makes an attack and a modified hit roll of six automatically wounds the target. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, uh, they don't have the runes of fate. But if they did, that would be a nice one that would break it. But with things like a Wraith Cannon, if you can get an automatic, if you can get six to hit with that, that would be pretty useful. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you have to have ten of them, though, to get the yeah. Wraith Cannon. So, um... It... Well, I think oh, with the amount of shooting that you can get with the larger squads of these, then that that is quite a nice little bonus that they can get. Yeah, there there's play with these guys. Uh, I think there's huge play with the Void Scarred. Um, we'll get, like, more into that. Uh, maybe we'll wait to see what happens with like the FAQ. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Before we get go deep down the rabbit hole, because there's actually a ton of shenanigans you can get up to with Corsairs if you could take the uh, with the with the Wayseeker, um, because being able to cast those psychic powers is a game changer with this unit. So, and we, we should get this out of the way now. They can't be taken in a Yanari detachment, which makes zero sense i mean zero sense these guys look like the vizark's kid brothers yeah because because interestingly when you go to the page that they are on i think or in fact later in the book in the unari section <clears throat> in the unari section there is a picture of uh, sorry pretty page flicking noises right now i apologize for that uh when you go to the urine's page there's actually a picture of urine and uh a unit of corsairs um yeah so i think that's that's a bit of a miss i think for me yeah that's a huge miss i mean in my just myself they should be full troops choices for for yanari you should be able to take them and have them fill troop slots i mean if rain literally lives in a corsair ship that's where the yanari yeah. live they live in corsair ships like flying through the webway yeah so so change i'd like to see for these guys is that they uh if they are taken in a um, in a craft walls attachment. They don't break the craft walls element of it, and they can be taken in uh, a Yanari detachment uh, as as your base troops choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that a really nice touch. Yeah, I mean, Avrain is a corsair, like straight up. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh... And the lore, I mean, it's in the Gathering Storm. It's in the new core rulebook about, like, Yanari and Corsairs. That is their faction. So, um, anyways, definitely a miss there. Frustrating. Everybody knows I absolutely love Corsairs, and hopefully they'll straighten that out. But even if they don't, you still have phenomenal models, and I bet you anything, they're going to be really fun and kill team. So I, I totally agree, and I can guarantee that. Yeah. So... Cool. Uh, did you want to talk about? Is there an aspect warrior that you want to talk about at all? Yeah, yeah. Let's um, let's uh, go over some aspect warriors and then some vehicles, and then we'll wrap it up for this time. Yeah, sounds like a good plan to be. 
Yeah, so Aspect Warriors. I think it's hard not to be over the moon about Howling Banshees. They are the unit I am 100% the most excited about. They've lost a little bit. They don't get their plus three um, to charge anymore. But what they gained in exchange has been absolutely insanity. So um, let's just go over them really, really quickly. Um, so you've got the Shuriken Pistol, Shuriken Pistol. Uh, the Triskel is 12-inch range, Assault 3, Strength 5, AP-3, Damage 1. The Triskel is good. I just wish that you could sort of mix and match it a bit more because, like, the yeah. Banshee Exarch is sort of limited in her weapon out, uh, her weapon loadout. Um, you got the Banshee Blade, which is the Banshee Blade. The Executioner, which is plus 2 Strength, minus 3 AP, 2 damage. Really, really solid. The Mirror Swords are the winner um plus one strength uh ap3 damage one but two hits instead of one so your x arc is going up to five attacks and then if you take like the other abilities she's going up to six if you upgrade her and then you've got the triskel uh in melee which is plus one strength minus three ap damage one so it's basically if you want a um a, sl a slightly less sharp uh, power sword you can chuck around. The Triskel is there for you. Yeah. Um, uh, Banshee Mask. Each time you select an enemy unit as a target of a charge made by the bearer's unit until the end of the phase, that enemy unit cannot fire Overwatch, set to defend. Um, while within engagement range of the bearer, that unit must fight last. So on top of that, they also have plus <laughs> one to wound, Minus one to hit, uh, and a five plus invulnerable save. Banshees are legit top tier melee unit. They're still fragile, but they will shut you down. They are the masters of the sort of sudden strike. They're they're an alpha strike unit. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. My uh, my 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 buddy sent me a message going. Uh, Banshee's good because uh, he works in a store and they, they've been selling out with them for a while. So I guess uh, the codex has probably been secretly uh, circulating for for a little bit of time, and I I guess people were buying these up pretty uh, pretty extremely <laughs> for the past couple of months. And when you read that through, like you've just done, then they are such a great unit. They finally, were. they are, and it's been. I mean, they have not been good. They have not been good since second edition. So for all intents and purposes, they've never been good. Um, second edition doesn't count anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so they are phenomenal. They are phenomenal. And with Jane Czar giving them objective secured, Nefarsier potentially giving them objective secured, they can score, they can kill. I mean, they are just brutal brutal and they're a battlefield control unit too because of that fights last so they can't yeah. be interrupted they're just going to do their job banshees simply put banshees do their job all the time yeah and you you can really with the um the abilities and the different weapons and stuff you can take up the, the uh dex arc you can really cover lots of bases on there so you can have like a blender or you can go for like multi-damage stuff it's just really really good yeah so if you go up against opponents that, you know, just say you go up against like, so you're going up against like Crusher Stampede and somebody's running lots of Tyranid Warriors, for example. The Exarch is really good against those um, 
against those Tyranid Warriors or Templars, those really nasty like little characters and stuff like that bouncing around. Yeah. So um, I think Banshees are really great, and they're versatile in their role, just like you were saying, uh, going from like blenders to assassins. So yeah, yeah, really, really cool. I uh, will be using those. Yes. What about you, buddy? What are you most excited about? <laughs> Predictable. Uh, warp spiders. Uh, I just love some of the changes on these guys. They're great. So they, they work a little bit differently now, so they're movement 12. Um, the rest of the stats kind of stay the same, but their death spinner has already been previewed. It's now uh, range 12, assault D6, minus 2, 1 damage blast. So uh, this is a really good like horde unit sort of killer. If a unit of five of these is putting down a serious amount of shots. Yeah. I really like it. I, I keep thinking, what would have happened to Richard Siegler if he had ran into <laughs> a Graffroll <laughs> army with a couple of units of War Spiders? I mean, these dudes just eat Admech up. They do. And you can deep strike them down as well, which is great. Uh, and then they've got <clears throat> the warped uh, jump generator as well. So once they've done their move, when they come to make the battle focus move, rather than uh, rolling 1d6, you roll 2d6. So on average, they should be moving... Um, 12 they're then uh, going to shoot and then battle focusing another s uh, 7 inches so probably 19 inch move on these guys yeah warp spiders are really really good I don't know if they're going to be like an auto include in every list I think we got to wait no. and see like how the meta sort of shakes up but I think like right now in 9th edition there's no like single archetype that is like dominant. There's phenomenal horde builds. There's great monster builds. There's awesome elite builds. There's no like one thing right now. So I think yep. it's just going to be depending on what you run into the most. But against hordes, warp spiders are brutal. Yeah, they really are. And the other thing they've got as well, which is the flicker jump. So remember, these guys get the the, the exarch gets a bonus to his attacks. Uh, if you are uh, get charged you can flick a jump and then you can move uh, a normal move d6 uh, sorry not d6 a straight six inches away from uh, from a unit it's great i mean it's absolutely Which, sick this is there's some sick play in that well like what i really like about that is if you get charged <clears throat> you can then move six inches and move on to an objective or something else as well yep yep you're like go ahead make my day um <laughs> yeah yeah the one or thing... onto cover to make it you know reduce distance for them as well so it's such cool play of them yeah and then you're in like two up cover too you know what i mean so i the only thing i would say about warp spiders and i'd say this about swooping hawks as well this is something to really bear in mind is you can't battle focus though if you're coming in out of reserves that to no. me is huge so you're gonna have to start these guys on the board there's a lot of units you have to start on the board to really get the maximum play out of. So you can't just like bring all of your wind riders out of a webway gate or out of reserves and just like blast the hell out of stuff and then just battle focus away. Like you gotta start on the board. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's, 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 it's the threat of it, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> cool, should we talk about a heavy choice or a fast attack choice? Yeah, yeah, let's do fast attack, I almost forgot. Like wind riders for me are my fast attack. Uh, scatter lasers going up to six shots is just phenomenal like 25 yeah. points a model with battle focus i mean i'm surprised there hasn't been more chatter about these guys because i think that wind riders are huge i think they're one of the best units in the game or not in the game but in the book 
Yeah. Yeah, they really are that. Especially that extra range you've got there as well. So you can sit them out, shoot something, and then you know, battle focus behind, behind cover quite nicely with these guys. It's just so good. Yeah. I love Wind Riders. I'm so excited to put them in the in my lists and know that I'm taking a really strong competitive choice. It's not broken by any stretch of the imagination, but they are a optimal choice uh, for any Eldar build. So I kind of like echo yours. Mine's the Shroud Runners, which are the same thing, but uh, it's <clears throat> it's got the range on the back, so I get to do the range shot, which isn't the main thing. The main thing for me with these guys is that they are wind riders but bs2 so they get the scatter laser so you've got those 36 shots sorry 36 inch six six shots uh hitting on twos which i think is really really nice so you know three of those throwing out 18 shots hitting on twos yeah shroud runners are really good i've found myself a little pinched for points though so even though they're not like too much more than a unit of wind riders um, I've struggled to get them into my list and I don't have the models right now. So, yeah. I mean, for me, Wind Riders do the job, but if you have Shroud Runners, they're definitely a bit better. Um, yeah. But if you want like a slightly cheaper option, uh, Wind Riders will, will do you good. Yeah. Uh, and there's some stratagems as well that pair up quite nicely uh, with the Night Spinner. So they can, uh, if you get them within 12 inches as a stratagem, allows you to re-roll, I think it's the hit rolls, uh, with the Night Spinner's uh, Doom Weaver cannon. Yeah. Which is which is why I like them, uh, because my choice for the heavy sports is the Night Spinner. I think this has had a really nice buff to it. So it's got rid of the, the flat AP and with the like um, exploding AP on sixes. It's now just 48-inch <clears throat> inch range, heavy 2d6, strength 7, minus two ap which is a really nice change and a flat two damage and it means it can uh, target units that the bearer can't see for me that's just such a good unit for uh taking a backfield objective haulers and stuff i think they're just straight up like it's probably the best artillery platform in the game right now i mean night spinner is just incredible it's really 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 good um and it's a great looking model too yeah, yeah, I love that model. Uh, that's why we painted it. It looks great. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot of Eldar lists with three of these. Uh, I mean, I'll, they've been popular for a long, long time now, and they got better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, what's your choice? Uh, no surprise here. Hornets. Um, <laughs> they've already had their release, but now that Bright Lances uh, got the uh, Dark Lance treatment, man... I mean, Hornets are really, really, really nasty. Um, I've included them in every list that I've taken. I've thought about taking two units of three and just, you know, having six on the board. Honestly, I think it's probably overkill. I, I, I've decided not to go in that direction, but they are filthy. They've lost a little because they're not core, just like none of the Eldar vehicles are core anymore. Um, but, you know, six bright lances out of a unit of three on a on a toughness uh on a toughness seven platform with eight wounds non-degrading profile um in especially in uh your custom craft world children with open skies they're going <clears throat> uh 20 inches a turn yeah 
They fly, dude. Yeah. I'm really surprised by your choice there because you've never really mentioned the Hornets at all. No, no. That I, <laughs> I don't have like a time limit put on me for all time based on how much I could talk about Hornets. Uh, but I'm super excited for them. Uh, they weren't going to leave my list anyways, barring something dramatic. But uh, they're better. They're a lot better. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and I think for for, for data sheet wise, I'm going to have one more honorable mention that for me is the, is the Webway Gate. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it's been a bit of a joke choice for quite a long time uh, and I think the changes for this are actually quite nice um, and I, I think you'll be seeing a lot more webway gates uh, being used uh, the fact is that they're just terrain now so that you can't destroy them or anything uh, you can put them anywhere that's 12 inches away from uh, your enemy's deployment zone and it just allows you to, to deep strike people uh, any units through it uh, and, and things like the harlequins which we'll talk about in another show gets like pop them back through and stuff and well it's just it's just really quite cool it is really good and i've seen some concerns out there about these being too good i don't think that they are too good i think like once people start like list building 80 points is a big chunk for craft world eldar and finding the sort of do you have like the sort of beachhead type units to really anchor your entire list and not just get blown off the board waiting for turn two because of how deadly the game is now like uh, like tau or something like that going after you know your vehicles or like whatever you're using to get some board presence before all of your stuff comes out of reserves is still a big deal because you're still you know expending command points you're paying almost 100 points for this thing it's a great tool but you got to make sure you've got enough on the board to start the game yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think it's a good choice. I don't think it's necessary. This is much my gut feeling right now. I don't think it's an auto choice. I just think it's a, it's a really good choice. Yeah, I do too. And um, I think that's going to be sort of the message that we have throughout uh, this and uh, future reviews as we dive deeper into the book. Everything is really good, you, but you can't have it all. You can't have it all. Um, there have been times where the Eldar Codex has been tuned up to like 11 and you could take everything like 7th edition like needed drastic points uh, you know revisit but this this book you're paying a premium for extremely good units um, yeah. and it's really up to you it's really up to you to get the most out of this list you can't just drop anything on the board and do well yeah you really need to pick your poison with this army it's good it's the way it should be yep so I just sort of in summary, this is, like I said at the beginning, this is, in my opinion, the best Eldar Codex in terms of just play style, uh, translating that lore to the tabletop, the points balance, and um, just the sort of, like, there's so many perks, but there's a lot of, like, limitations that keep it from getting out of control. Uh, I think yep. it's just very balanced against itself. And and the rest of the ninth edition codexes. Yeah, I agree. I, I this is for me my my favorite codex has always been the second edition codex, and I think this is a fantastic nod towards that uh, second edition codex. And I I, th I think it really like all the all the data sheets do a, a very good, if not excellent, job at representing what the unit should be on the table. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's by far and away now my my favorite book. Yeah, and it's so good that we can finally um, stop dancing around the NDA and just talk about it. And <laughs> Is it ever? Yeah. 
so like like we've been saying though we're gonna we're gonna continue to do like our um our sort of overview going forward and um but after we get through the just sort of like the overview we're gonna deep dive the hell out of you know just each craft world we haven't even talked about unari or harlequins yet each of those factions is going to get its own you know dedicated coverage and you know, there's just so many rabbit holes to go down with uh each element of this book there's just so so much to talk about and i feel like there's just years of discussion contained within this book <laughs> yeah it really is it really is well mate that has been a blast i'm very excited to have finally got to talk about it and uh looking forward to talking more about it too yes so um we will be back very very soon we hope you guys are all excited for the book and um we will we will be back very soon and answering your questions and exploring more of this phenomenal this phenomenal codex uh good times ahead yeah so just on that we've got uh on our facebook page a minute we've got um some a question thread up there so we're going to do a dedicated show we're going to answer those questions so if you want to uh uh, take some time, pop over to our uh, our Facebook page, and it's the Infinity Circuit Radio Facebook page, and uh, join the conversation there, and we can we'll answer those questions when we can. Yeah, yep. And like I said, guys, we'll be back very soon. We're super excited to talk about this book, and can't wait to get into it more with you guys. See you soon. <laughs>